Blog Talk Radio. When the opponent expands, I contract. When he contracts, I expand. And when there is an opportunity, I do not hit. It hits all by itself. Now, you must remember the enemy has only images and illusions behind which he hides his true motives. Destroy the image and it will break the enemy. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl B. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. This is the Christmas Eve edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk and, of course, our Left Coast correspondent, Claire Linnae. Happy holidays to our stalwart listenership. As always, keep it safe. Keep it intelligent. Have your eyes wide open. Look around your surroundings. Uh, hug the ones that you love, even the ones that you hate, maybe, if you're that big. <laughs> and I say this because... Honestly, I think we're living in the times of, of fatal um, destination, you know, that, that franchise where anything can happen. Um, Reggie Osei. Final, 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 final destination. Oh, thank you. I see I beamed you up earlier. <laughs> final destination, thank you. Speaking extempor- extemporaneously, people. Um, yeah, I, I think we're in those times where anything is possible. So Reggie Osei. You might know him better as Combat Jack has left the building. Uh, a known podcaster. I also know him, those who are in the industry, especially in hip-hop. He was the hip-hop attorney, especially during the, the early 90s or mid-90s, the heyday in New York hip-hop. He was responsible for signing quite a few artists through Def Jam. So with a heavy heart, this young man dies from colon cancer at the age of 48, 48 years, just really uh, a silent killer very quickly, very deadly. 
young men of color, uh, we, and I include myself obviously in this, we have to get ourselves checked out seriously because um, it's just unfortunate. As a matter of fact, uh, let me be more succinct. Uh, Mr. Osei was responsible for the loudspeaker network, which was a network of podcasting, podcasters, our our brethren or sorrow, I'm trying to be correct with the gender there, uh, podcasters, the fan bros, shout out to the fan bros, that crew, at least I don't know what's going on now, but I know at one time they were broadcasting under that umbrella, so uh, that's just so unfortunate. And again, this is a local dude, local Brooklyn guy. Uh, Also, from the Prince camp, another young person, and I consider someone in their 40s to 50s young, by today's standards, definitely, Pam Warren, Ms. Pam Warren, a.k.a. DBA, Pam the Functress, Functress, pardon me, Pam the Functress, passes at 51 years of age, and she was Prince's DJ. And still working. I think she also was under the the coup, the coup, the uh, another funk outfit uh, with Boots Riley. Definitely, these folks are under the herb alt, black rock uh, genre. The one. So uh, again, these these talented people that are so endemic to the culture that we are all about, they're passing prematurely. So it's just um, you have to really be appreciative of where we are. And when we are, because as uh, as I said, uh, this is this is a final destination thing. So, okay, people, let's let's try to. <laughs> I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to start the show off with with a downbeat. So let's go for an upbeat. Let's do let's do the 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 the, the happy festivist groove thing, the Herbalt groove thing through the the holiday season. I mean, this is about the end of it for me, folks. I mean, I love listening to holiday music, but I want to get back to the funk. I want to get back to the to the herb alt to the black rock. I want to get I want I want I want to go to something else. But for the moment, the great Sharon Jones, who also left prematurely, uh, Eight Days of Hanukkah. Let's go so let's go in a different direction. Eight Days of Hanukkah by Sharon Jones. When we get back, we're going to talk about Bright. We're going to talk more about Star Wars. More controversy with that. It's a lot to get into, folks. Anyway, for Sharon Jones, we'll be right back. Oh, my uncle. 
I let that ride, folks. Sometimes I just let the music just ride. Smooth, soulful sounds that, again, switching things up a little bit. It's not always about Christmas. Sometimes it's about Hanukkah. Sometimes it's about Kwanzaa. I'm just saying. Anyway, people, it's the eve before Christmas. This is the Grindhouse podcast, people. The call-in number remains the same for this year, and I suspect for next year as well. 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620, pardon me, let's just do this, Captain, you needed, oh, I don't know, North Pole, <laughs> I'm going to beam you down to the North Pole, so let's get to it. Mace Windu, reporting, sir, let's go. <laughs> All right. I hear that. You see the smooth yet funky sounds. It always plays seriously when this jet is about to land outside our studios. I see our, our, our left coast friend coming in. You don't have to beam her down because you know, this jet works as this, this mystical, simiscarin, supersonic jet. So, supersonic engine, pardon me. Purple rain, all that jazz. She is a uh, integral part of the African radio machine. Actress, singer, 
passionate person, as we all are. We all have our ticks. <laughs> I think I'll be calm today. My tick is Black Panther. Anyway, she is the lovely Claire Bidet. Fighting for your rights. Claire, how are you? I'm here. How are you? I'm very well. How, how is the holiday season treating you, Claire? I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, it's just another Tell damn day. Tell me it's day. good. <laughs> oh, just another damn day. Okay. Nothing, nothing uh, <laughs> remarkable about it. But, um, but no, I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. I have my yeah, health. Yeah, I was about to go there. I was about to go there. Are you alive and breathing? Because people are being knocked off at young ages. So I'm, I'm concerned for all of us. Trust me. Um, let's get into this. Uh, a lot to discuss, folks. I figure we, it's going to be a somewhat of a shorter show, but it's some, it's some length. It's, there's some length there for you folks. Anyway, um, Bright. Bright was released this weekend. Uh, highly anticipated Netflix experiment, dare I say. Um, Will Smith is the, the main character in this vehicle. Max Landis, however long this guy sticks around, you know, there's a... <laughs> People are getting picked off before that. If it's not about your health, it's about your nether regions not being able to control them purportedly. So anyway, Max Landis, um, he's on the auction block right now, but that's, that's a different story. Anyway, he wrote this, directed by David Ayer. Um, I saw about 45 minutes of it, so I, haven't not, I have not completed this thing um, to just, for, just to let people, you know, full disclosure. I'm going to go to the captain. Um, I don't think he saw it, but we could talk about the implications of Bright. And for those, for those who did see it or did see a part of it, you know, whatever impressions you have of this. And again, I, I think of it as a Netflix experiment. It's a film, $90 million reportedly spent on this thing. Uh, to have someone like Will Smith to, come, to be involved, there's going to be some big bank. So that's, that's kind of an understood thing. So, Captain, what do you, what do you think about this thing? I, whether you saw it or not, your impressions of what it, what it means, Bright, Will Smith, Netflix. Okay, for the uninitiated, Apple Nerd and myself, we were talking about <clears throat> the movie experience and respect this type of movie. You, you may want to raise your mic because you're kind of low. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. You, you, hear me now? you might want to. It's a little bit higher, I think. You're very low. It's pretty, it's pretty much up there. Okay. All right. All right. Let me do. Let me do this. Let me do this. Hold on. You sound like you're like a, a distance, like a wave. You know. Can you hear me now? Oh yeah, much better. Much better. All right. You may proceed now. <laughs> now. Uh, Afro Nerd and myself, we were talking about this behind the scenes, so to speak. And because some people seem to be talking about that this might be ruining the movie experience. Now, here's the thing. That's what it is most of the time with going to the movies. It's an event. I think when you're watching at your house, it's not an event. You know, from that perspective, you're comfortable and everything else. From that standpoint, you know, but it's not an event. And let's be honest. If I'm being truthful, most of this stuff 
We shouldn't even be running to the movies, too. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But some things definitely are. You know, it's, it, and that's what it's all about. Look, I'm going to see this the Friday. It's coming out. I'm the first one. You enjoy that. And I will say this to the movie industry. Once we lose that, you guys don't have much. You understand? You don't have much. Some of your product, you know, it really doesn't need to be in the movies because it's really not that good. I would say a lot of your product is really not that good. But some of the things that are really worth it was a good event and everything, you need to go through that experience. You know, buying the popcorn, calling up your boys, calling up your girlfriends, your wives, taking a family. It's, an, it's something to do. Humans need this emotional connection. You know, it's something to do. And you do not want to ruin this. Now, we've seen this happen, those of you that are old enough to know, like let's say 35 and up, or maybe you might have to be 40 and up, I don't know, somewhere between there. With the music industry, getting a CD or a cassette tape, this is what I said, showing my age, cassette tape, that was an experience going there. Say, okay, Red Man is coming out. We're going back to like 92, 93 now, dating myself. And then you would pick up Red Man's tape, one for the car, and then also you would get the CD, you know? At the time, the car, my car still used tape at that time. I didn't have the CD player as of yet. <clears throat> and then you would pick up some random. You said, let me just try out this guy here. This is a West Coast rapper. It's probably going to be whack, but let me just pick it up. It was all an experience. And at times, you could listen to the music before and say, ah, oh, this, this is not bad. I'm going to try this kid out, you know? Or going to the record store was an experience. Once that got cut out, you know, the music industry has never been the same. Never been the same. So these people, powers that be, in respect to these movies, you got to be very careful because they were talking about that for the longest from the business standpoint, how we can eliminate this, uh, these uh, movie houses. I mean, when I say movie houses, the places where you go to see the movie. Because when a movie comes out, First weekend, this is what most of the time they say, <coughs> excuse me, 80% goes to, let's say, you know, wherever you see it, wherever you decide to see it. Then the next week it goes down, it go, they get your profits. Uh, excuse me, I got that wrong. 80% goes to the, the production company, you know, and everybody else who's putting out the movie, <clears throat> whether it's Disney or whoever. 20% goes to the place where you saw the movie. Then the following week, they get 70%, the big boys. And then where you went to go see the movie, that's 30%. And then it goes down considerably like that. So if they could eliminate the place where you go see the movie and beam it directly into your house, eventually they can make more money. But here's the problem with that whole situation. Here's the problem. That destroys the whole experience. And we as humans, we need that experience. We need to be able to say, look, Black Panther's coming out, such and such and such. A, um, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to call that person. We're going to link up. We go to dinner afterwards. We're going to make a whole big deal about it. We're going to take a few pictures, post it up, Instagram, yada, 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 yada. You see? And once you imbeciles, if that's the route you're going, if that's the route you're going, this could be all be speculation because Netflix is just a monster within itself. You know, if that experience gets destroyed, you begin to destroy yourself, you self-important pricks. That's all I wanted to say. But I didn't see the stuff. I didn't see this. 
bright as of yet. I'll be able to get back to you in the future, give you my impressions on it, but I didn't see it. Back over to you, Afronite. All right. Um, before I bring our left coast correspondent, Claire Lene, to give her uh, insight, I, don't, I think she might, uh, might not have been able to see it as well. Uh, and again, this just came out, and, it, and I have to confess, I only saw about 40 minutes of it. Um, but I will, after, the, after this, uh, this broadcast, I'll, I will complete looking at it. Um, uh, I, let me give you a quick rundown. And also, our uh, uncanny correspondent, Daryl B., he just uh, sent out a, a DM, a direct message to, uh, saying he's going to come in around 7 o'clock. So I'm, I would be curious as to what – and he, see, he seems to have the ability to see everything. So – uh, I, w- I would like to uh, get his impressions and, and, and find out what's going on f- from what, you know, how he feels about this. So anyway, let me give a quick rundown before I pass the mic to Claire about just what is Bright. Uh, again, as I said, David Ayer, we know him from the comic book world. He's a noted director, and um, he's done a lot of these vehicles. Um, Max Landis, we know about this gentleman as well. Uh, who is his father, the, the other Landis? If I remember correctly, why am I losing my memory? Jesus, I got to get some more ginseng. Um, John Landis, pardon me, is coming and kicking in. John, we know John Landis, so he, his 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 uh, bloodline is pretty impressive. Anyway, um, many folks have like likened Bright to another film going back 20 years ago, Alien Nation, and I think James Caan was in Alien Nation, the movie. And then Alienation, I, if I remember, was a Fox TV series for a minute as well. And it dealt with the same premise, except it was science fiction. It had aliens living amongst, uh, among humans. And in this case, it's fantasy with these, these mystical creatures living in an alternate present L.A. It's, it's same, kind of the same thing. You know, LAPD with sci-fi um, science fiction creatures, 2017, LAPD with these mystical, you know, pixies, uh, trolls. They're called orcs. Um, you have, uh, you know, just these these uh, elves. The elves are are the wealthy. All, like almost all the elves are the wealthy and powerful, and essentially run this alternate Earth. They're refined they're you know they 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 look like posh people walking around they're just elves so anyway um and there's this 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 whole thing which is a trope where you have this uh veteran police officer being played by Will Smith and he he has to partner up with this first time orc so you have an orc that these orcs are perceived to be somewhat um Ne'er dwells. The orcs almost seem to be, almost seem to be like the, the 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 minorities of of this world. Except they minorities are still there. I mean, you you see black folk, you see brown people, still there with the orcs, and the orcs actually seem to be the worst of it. So you know the the, the essays, the 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 um the bloods, the crits, they're still in existence with these ne'er-do-well orcs. But this one orc is a upstanding police officer, but the police department doesn't really take a shine to him. 
and it seems to be one of these political things as to, well, we have to tolerate, tolerate this guy, but the minute we can get him out of here, the better. So uh, we've seen that with having a black officer or a brown officer or any officer of, 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 of ethnicity back in the day, and maybe even the present day, uh, or if it's a gay officer, whatever it is. Whatever protective class you can superimpose into the partner, this is, where, this is what you see in this film. And I guess there's the, 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 the bonding of these two officers that essentially are, are having these issues. I'm not going to go into the, to, to everything, but it, it does pretty much feel like a real L.A. with these mystical creatures walking around. And again, this is a $90 million project that Netflix has, has given us. I thought it was fairly well acted, and it's, it's a Netflix movie that honestly could have easily been, could have easily been in the theaters. So, uh, and already, I guess the metrics must have been met because they're saying that uh, there's already a sequel being set up for, I guess, the following year for Will Smith to appear in it. So let me pass the mic to Claire Lene. Claire, what are, you, what are your impressions of, you know, what you've been hearing? Is I'm hearing there's like mixed reviews. Some people, it's almost like um, the Star Wars, the Star Wars Jedi uh, criticisms that we will get into again later on with this film. Many people were, are coming in saying, hey, you know, Bright was pretty good. Yeah, but other people are saying that, nah, this, is su- this sucks. So, so what are your impressions? What do you, what do you know about it? And what do you think? Well, first of all, I think it's fascinating that Netflix would already greenlight a sequel before they even released this movie. It always fascinates me when studios have the balls to be like, yeah, and we got the sequel coming out, you know, in 2019, and yeah. It's like we haven't even seen the movie Calm Down, like, really. That's already just something I'm already kind of like <laughs> not sure what to make of. In terms of the movie itself, when I saw the trailer, um, or bits and pieces of the trailer throughout, you know, since Comic-Con in July, and, and you know, here and there, you see stuff over the course of uh, the last few months. I mean, I really had, had no interest, personally. I had no interest. I, I, I didn't give it a second thought. But now, just hearing some of these reactions, I'm fascinated. Does it make me want to see it? Hell no. Hell no. There's nothing about this mishmash of, you know, L.A. PD cops and trying to put that together with World of Warcraft and Lord of the Rings and whatever the hell this is, you know, fairy dust and magic wands. And I don't know what's going on here. And frankly, I just don't care. That I can already tell that this is not my bag, all right? This is not for me. I, uh, I I already knew that. Like I said, I already knew that just based on what I saw in the trailer. I wasn't impressed. And then reading further into the synopsis, I'm just it just befuddled me. Like the more I read, the more confused and bewildered I got. Like, okay, like, you know, good luck. You know, hats off to you, Netflix. I mean... It, it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to look at look at them side-eyed because at the same time, I could say, hey, Marvel, what the hell were you thinking putting Inhumans in IMAX? What the hell was that? Like, who approved this? 
you know? So, I mean, I can say that about a lot of people and a lot of bad decisions, okay? So I'm not really coming down on anybody, really, in terms of this particular project. I just I just don't care for it. But I got to say, I was tickled quite so upon reading some of these reviews, especially, especially the one that the, the director himself, David Ayer, commented on specifically saying that, oh, I'm going to put this on my on my refrigerator because, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you know, the whole, uh, the mission, the goal of a, of a storyteller or a director is to, to really evoke a, a strong reaction. And this review is epic. So I looked it up. I looked it up. It is through IndieWire. And I'm sure a few of you have already come across it. <laughs> but it is incredible. It is remarkable because he is not joking. He's not lying. I mean, this was passionate think piece on all the reasons why this uh, particular journalist felt that Bright was the worst film of 2017. And so I'm just, just for, you know, just for giggles, I'm going to quickly read just the, the, the first passage to give you an idea of how, uh, how emotional <laughs> this piece is. All right, so here we go. Indie Wire. The piece is by David Ehrlich. Okay? Let me see if my phone, which is terribly slow. Here we go. There's boring, there's bad, and then there's bright. A movie so profoundly awful that Republicans will probably try to pass it into law over Christmas break. From the director of Suicide Squad and the writer of Victor Frankenstein comes a fresh slice of hell that somehow represents new lows for them both, a dull and painfully derivative ordeal that often feels like it was made just to put those earlier misfires into perspective. The only thing more predictable than this high-concept police story is the idea that the year as punishing as 2017 would save the worst for last. So it goes on and on, and it is, it's hysterical. I mean, it's, it's amazing because I can see on the flip side other people defending it and, and being excited about it, and this is totally up their alley to see, you know, some of their favorite actors or genres or whatnot in the mix. I personally don't know what to make of it. You know, I'm again, I'm fascinated by the divisive arguments, impassioned hotly, hotly contested debate over Star Wars The Last Jedi. It, it, it appears that everything, everything in this world now has become politicized, has become a fight. Everybody's beefing with everybody over everything. Everything's a problem. So I don't plan on seeing this movie. Like I said, I didn't plan on seeing it when I saw the trailer, you know, in, in Comic-Con's um, run of run of previews. So I I don't really care either way what the outcome is. I just found this review to be very <laughs> amusing. Um I'm curious as to what you guys think of it. Please let me know. 
but yeah, it's it's just it's not for me. It looks like a hot mess, if I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I I'm starting to question. I'm starting to question the the you know the the vision of David Ayer because I happen to like End of Watch. I thought that was a a, a good movie. I really wasn't a fan of Suicide Squad at all, but I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, thinking that we've got a lot of studio interference, we got Warner Brothers freaking out, thinking we got to make this interesting and funny and blah blah blah, and we, he, we they only gave him you know five five weeks, six weeks to do the script. So I gave him a lot of leeway on that. But now with this, I don't know. I don't know. Back to you. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, let me say this quickly, and then we'll, we'll open up the mics and, and, and get other uh, folks. We have folks that are online. Um, I, I'm Again, I have not seen the entirety of the, of the film, but I just don't. I really want every, you know, our listeners, and especially you, Claire, I mean, to give it a shot or to look at it for a minute because it's just not as bad as I, as I perceive others are, 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 are looking at this thing. I don't, I don't get what, where they're – I mean, is it, is, it, um, you know, is it Shakespeare? No. I think the, the most you could say as far as a, a criticism is that it's somewhat derivative, we can say. I mean, is, is, listen, there's cop, cop dramas of the yin-yang forever on TV and in the movies. I mean, they never stop going into that. So that's what makes it problematic. The only, the only issue is, is that, yeah, you know, listen, it's, it's a little bit of alienation, uh, Shadow Run, which is an RPG. Uh, that's also kind of a science fiction, fantasy video game. So there's elements of things that we've seen before. So we could, we could say there. I will say that I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see comedians – and I say that plural, Ike Barinholtz and uh, Margaret Cho in this thing. And anytime you see comedians playing like serious roles, I don't say every time, but they seem to be able to really do a very good job. It's, it's uh, well, they say it's tragedy and comedy, but it, for, for them to make that transition and, and not come off hokey, there's something about the, the comedic chops that apparently works for, for dramatic pieces. So I was pleasantly, again, surprised to see these two do these things, hardcore cops, and come off believable. Um, Ms. Cho, legend, legendary uh, comedian Ms. Cho, she plays the sergeant, and she does a turnaround or turnabout. I'm not going to go into that, but uh, she was one way and then goes another way. So the range of... Baron Holtz, and we've seen these two just be goofy. I was pleasantly surprised to see those two kind of do their thing in a different, from a different look. So I, I think you, you may want to take a look at this thing only because it's, um, it's just not that damn bad. <laughs> I just, I got to be straight up. Is it perfect? No, but I, I um, you know, if you saw Alien Nation, sure. Okay, that's 20 years ago. I, I thought for a Netflix film, you know, is it mudbound? No. But the fact that you have uh, the money being put into these pro- into these projects for a streaming service to give it up, I think there are ulterior motives af- afoot with some folks coming in uh, coming down on this film the way that they are. Like this is the worst thing. No, 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 no. There are things like I have to, I have to uh, ride with the captain. There are things that we had to pay for in the theaters. <laughs> hard-earned money 
that played far worse than Bright. That's when I'm like, okay, what's really happening here? So, okay. Anyway, the phones are buzzing. Let, let me open let up me, the Let line. me get this in real quick. Let me get this sure. in real quick after. Sure, sure, sure. Because Claire said something that's very paramount. <clears throat> Not to go off on a tangent. <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. <clears throat> but this is tangentially related. There's a guy called a captain that said six years ago that you were in his reality. Everybody thought it was effect. I said it'll get to a point where you'll have class war and race war. Master's degree going against the guy who got the bachelor's. He's nothing. Bachelor's going against the high school diploma. High school diploma going against the high school dropout. No one likes anybody. Everything's a problem because everybody's getting self-important. And that's where we are right now. You understand? This is just a precursor to what's about to happen. I have to get that in there. <laughs> Let's go after the and, and mind you, all of us saw Batman versus Superman. <laughs> so to me, anything above that, like how bad is it really? Anyway, let's go to our friend from Podcast Juice and the Red Shirts, the infamous Q Storm. I think he thinks differently. Uh, Q, what's up, man? Merry hey. Christmas, Happy Holidays, hey. and all that jazz. Thank you, everyone there. Um, yeah, um, I decided I would check out Bright. Because uh, I was going at it on Facebook about how bad the trailer looked as Claire uh, expounded upon. So I got about 40 minutes into it, and I'm like, it's, you know, my thing is, if I can see what you're doing right off the bat, you know, if, if I see that the wizard is really a guy behind a curtain, I have no interest in your project. I really don't. I mean, what is the point of this? We have orcs who are proxy for, I guess, people of color in Los Angeles. We, there was a scene where they roll up on a bunch of orcs drinking 40s in a, in a sand lot or whatever, and they got on the bling and the, <clears throat> and the jerseys and the hoodies and all this. And I'm like, what's he trying to say? I wonder what he's trying to say. <laughs> all the elves are living in Elfland, and they're very pale white. Very driving blinged out cars and orcs are their uh, orcs are their chauffeurs. Hmm, I think there might be a message in that. I'm not sure what it is. Look, if I can tell what you're doing right off the bat, you really have nothing new to say to me, and I'm not going to be interested. Now I, I'm trying to muddle through this thing. You know, I'm doing the Christmas holiday thing right now. I'm out of town. If I got nothing better to do, I'll watch it. But. I'm bored by it so far, and there's nothing new being brought to the table. And I, I, I comically refer to this as, you know, I, I refer it on Facebook because I really don't need to see Black Frodo. But uh, this, this <laughs> is nothing new. I, I really don't think, you know, Lord of the Bling. I don't really need to see that in the 21st century. Come up with some fresh ideas. I'm, you know, make it more metaphorical. Make it more and now analogical. That's the word, but. God, at least try to be clever about it. All right, that's all I gotta say. Well, you know what? Can I you, you make a, well, let me let me say this real quick. Um, and I'm and I, and I think we're gonna be on the same wavelength because I'm remembering our conversation, Cap, behind the scenes. Uh, Attack the Block did this better, right? Um, in essence, this is this is a fantasy film in the quote unquote hood. That we have not necessarily seen before, or we, we haven't really seen it um, executed well. And maybe they did not execute this well. 
again, I haven't finished looking at it. I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat moderate about what I'm looking at because it's a, it's a Netflix streaming movie. It would be nice if it was a little, little bit more depth to it, the way, let's say, again, Mudbound is so excellent. There's been so many other properties that Netflix has really knocked out of the, out of the park. And other streaming uh, projects we've seen knock out of the park. So that, that is true. I will say, and, I, and I, I, I have to defer to what Q is talking about, it would be interesting if they were to explore this kind of stuff because they really explore the fantasy genre with people of color and do it in a way that could really be extraordinary, the way that Attack the Block was. And Attack the Block is, is, is quite some time since that movie. I don't know, eight years ago or something? So it would be interesting if they were to go into this fantasy thing with people of color and really knock it out the box. But, uh, yes, I, was, I did notice that it appears that the orc race in this fantasy enterprise appear to be proxy for POC, you know, the, but, but they also coexist with the POC that are there. So you, whether it's the MS-13 uh, or some Latino gang, some, some a black gang, whatever, they coexist in LA, LA with the orcs. Uh, I have yet to see elf, a dark-skinned elf. So I don't know why, why didn't you see the color differentiation with the, with the elves. So obviously the point is kind of hitting you over the head. It would have been more interesting if they approached it that way. Why aren't there any black, brown, or yellow elves? But I, mean, I don't know. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because when you that's look a, at these missiles and everything, when you look at these missiles and everything else, when you look at uh, Lord of the Rings, elves have all the sublime goodness. Orcs are elves with their sublime good taken away. So they're nothing. You see what I'm saying? They're the bottom feeders. That's the game that they're playing. Now, you see where we are, Claire? You see where we are, Claire? Everything, everything is a political statement. <laughs> can I add something? Can, can I add yeah, go ahead. Something? Quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. We have more callers, too. Oh, okay. I mean, as yeah. I'm, even in the credits, they show iconography that people of color, black people in particular, are used to seeing. You see uh, 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 graffiti of orcs raising the power fist. You see uh, images of uh, orcs being beaten down by LAPD. So <laughs> yeah, does see, that mean, you know, maybe, don't, maybe don't get into it, but does that mean that orcs have co-opted all of the struggle of black people and black people are now seen as equal? Are they going to address, would they, would they address that? Is it just going to be, oh, we're just going to plop people of color in the main role and these other people of color in these tertiary roles, and we're not going to explain how the orcs have co-opted everything black people are doing in the real world. Is that going to get explained, or is it just we're supposed to accept that? That's in the well, next you know, one. The That's in the next one. The orcs rise up and take over. You know what I'm saying? That's what happens. No, I'm telling you. This well, is well, all in the mythos with orcs and elves. That's how it's done. I got to say one well, more thing, Afro, Sure. I got to say one more thing. I'm filibustering tonight. Change your pace. Now, <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you say. You, but if Hollywood actually waited for clever and new, at least half of these movies that come out, they would never come out. Look at the lineup for next year's movie, the top ones, the A sets and B sets, not so much the C sets. All right, and you're gonna see remake, 
remake and same thing 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 and same thing. <laughs> just the point. Just for you to look at. Back over to you, Afro Let me mention this, and I want to open up the lines. There's still more callers. I've got to be uh, very brief, but this is very important. Um, I made a misstep, which is not really uh, you know, unusual, with um, not being on top of a Christopher Priest, the, the, the noted comic book writer, Christopher Priest. You know, he's back in the, in the comic book business. He, you know, he was um, extremely popular. Uh, if anything, it pro- probably uh, 75% um, integral to to how we have Black Panther on screen coming up in a few months. Uh, his writing uh, with expanding the character, expanding the gravitas for the character, that's really a Christopher Priest thing. So Christopher, Christopher Priest is back into the game. I think he's going to return to the Black Panther, actually. And he, I just found out late that he was responsible for a Black Panther analog on the DC side of the game. Now, we see this game, we've been seeing this war between uh, houses for the last 70, 80 years. Uh, whether it's uh, Jack Kirby creating Thanos and um, uh, Darkseid. In this case, he seems to have created another uh, feline. African character called Red Lion. Now, um, what am I getting at? So, I'm I'm forgetting how good Christopher Priest is as a writer. I'm picking up the te- the trade paperback to get that whole arc. It's through the Deathstroke um, Rebirth series. So you could actually get volume one, two, and three. I think it's like 28, 28 issues. I also noticed that he's writing the current Justice League. So I bought the new Justice League, I guess Justice League number 35, Justice League of America. And there's, there's a, um, again, Priest is writing this, and there's a, there's a, a, a comic book where a, uh, an alien is helping the Justice League. He kind of just bursts on the scene. He bursts on the scene while, while a Green Lantern is taking a crap. Okay, I mean, literally. Uh, the, the Latina Green Lantern, uh, she, she's taking a crap, and he bursts on the Justice League on, on the uh, satellite, and uh, a fight ensues, and then he has to explain himself. And he's, a, a, you know, he's covered up, he takes off his mask, and you find out that he's black. So later on when he's able to say, listen, I'm an ally, I'm looking for a Green Lantern, I, I'm looking for one Green Lantern, but I see that you are a Green Lantern. So he, he's able to get their trust because there's an issue with this invasion of sorts or this infestation. And then um, he has a conversation with Cyborg. Cyborg asks the guy, he says, listen, you know, I know you're an alien. You could take on any form. What made you take the form of a black person? And he said, well, you know, I, I took... I took the form of a black person because I just took the form of, of what I perceive to be beautiful. Um, I don't have any dog in the race with the, 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 the prejudices of your planet. I don't know about what's going on with your prejudice of the planet. I just looked at something, and I took, the, I took the, the look of it. I said, damn, for, 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 someone like, um, for, for someone like Priest to put that in a comic book is what's needed in films like, Bright, 
you you gotta have people breaking the fourth wall when you write these things. You just can't have David Ayer in his own head and like a group. I hate to put it this way, but a group of white men. Now I gotta say tangentially white females because we saw some ish with the uh, Vanity Fair cover. You gotta have a collaborative effort with people from all walks of life. Put some to put some spice into a product so it becomes interesting. So when I saw Priest write this comic book, it raised the level of a, of a goddamn Justice League comic book to have that exchange. It goes somewhere else. Now, I don't know if the white fanboys get, get butt hurt off of these kind of stuff, but this is also the kind of exchange that, is, that, that makes these properties being translated to the silver screen something else. Like Arrow. <laughs> I became something else. I'm just saying. All right. Enough of me kind of blubbering there. I hope you understood what I was talking about. Let's go to 703 DMV Bison, if I'm not mistaken. Bison, happy holidays. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And if you're not a believer, happy holidays anyway to you and Claire and Captain and Q and whoever else is on. Before I start, I just want to say, um, I think 2018 is going to be showing big things for Afro-Nerd Radio. So this time next year, when you moved on, just remember us little folks, okay? I appreciate the sentiment, man. You'll be right there with us, man. You'll be right there with right. us. Trust me. I've heard it before. Yeah, but, but um, the pressure is on, trust me. <laughs> the pressure is on. I had to give Claire some, 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 some cheddar. So anyway, continue. <laughs> continue. Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with you part of the way on bright. I enjoyed it. I took it for what it was. It was it wasn't the worst thing in the world, it wasn't the best thing in the world. But like Cap said, it was different. And in a world of remakes and um reboots and what have you, that's a little refreshing. Now, like you said, I agree with you a thousand percent. We definitely got to get people of color in the writing room, and that's going to be, I think that's got to be the next um, the next wave of, of this um, movement that we call geekdom. You know, we have to go that way. Uh, you saw comics tried it, you know, with limited success. Now we got to go after television shows, either hire more writers of color or just hire or just have writers of color works be adapted to the screen or both. Um, because, you know, um, we see when they just showing their ass, that makes it on the screen, and it's, you know, it's not going to fly in 2000, soon to be 2018. Um, and this is a multicultural world, and people are not going to stand for 1960s, 70s sensibilities in today's uh, media. I mean, and, and you know Bright, you know, Max Landis is getting slammed. You know, yeah, we he has some accusations. About it. Coming up, I'm sorry about that. I missed some of that. So I got a feeling they might even pull that movie before long, the way it's the way it's shaping out to be. But uh, I, I I I think I'm I'm with, with I think sometimes, and I'm not digging at Q Storm in regards to this. Is sometimes we overthink things. You know, I don't want to. You know, I know television matters. It has all kind of implications. Lord, I know. Lord, I know it's true. But something I think. Sometimes I think we overthink the wrong things. You know, I don't want to 
jump on a bright, but that same network is not doing X, Y, and Z. I'd rather go after the source. You know, I'd rather go after Netflix um, parent company and go to their board of directors to make changes instead of just kind of lashing out at a movie that's already been written, funded, and filmed. That's sort of way after the fact. And I think we that's when we become too reactive, as you say. We, we rely on emotionalism. Um, so I'm looking at some of the properties that come out in 2018, and I don't see enough of what I'm looking for, but maybe 2019 would be better. But one thing I'm afraid of, have you noticed how um, blurs are sort of, sort of downing critical reviews of movies, how they did it with um, The Last Jedi? And you know it's going to be some tricks come out when Black Panther comes out. <clears throat> And I have a funny feeling that if that movie underperforms, they're going to blame a certain community on it. And you know what I'm talking about. So this is going to be, this is going to almost be like our Waterloo. You know, we want to support it. Because if we don't support it, there's not going to be another film like it. And I just see, um, I mean, I see how IMDB, how they took away comments because of the racism of a lot of films, especially like um, um, Hidden Figures. I think it started with that, and they sort of just, you know, it just spammed everything in regards to negative comments. I think Black Panther is going to be a watershed moment when it comes for this culture and how we're going to support movies. And I'll just stop there. Uh, Listen, I I have to agree with you, Bison, definitely. Um, I, I took Bright for what it was worth. You know, it's a Netflix streaming movie, and I think, if anything, it's probably put out there as an experiment. And um, just like Marvel's Inhumans, we, we've had such a such a um, a great spate of product that was pretty decent, if not exemplary, that now we can be very critical. <laughs> like we just, you know, the, the the blurs, the geeks, the nerds, the OCD, uh, the Asperger's syndrome, all that's starting to work itself in, where people are like on your ass if you come up with in what we perceive to be inferior products. So you might be, you might be in a space where you are uh, a victim of your success you know, with all these films. You've had such, you know, such a good run that we don't want, you just got, it can't be, it, it can't be perfect. You know, it, it has to, I mean, it must be perfect. Pardon me. It must be perfect. If it comes up short, we're going to get you. But I, I feel, and I'm going to, I'm going to open the mics up again, and we're going to go to another topic. We've got about an hour remaining. That what hurts this film, anything, is you know when you start to see some of the um, minority and women writers, creators that are doing, you know, they're, they're getting their, their their close up, they're getting their opportunity for a close up, and then knocking them out the park. Dee Reese, who was a black gay woman, relatively young, I think she's in the late thirties, early forties. Um, she's doing, she's doing some, she's doing some. Um, some she's a bite. She is a bison, also bison. No, she was a fan of you. Okay, uh, yeah, I remember that, right? Um, she, uh, you know, she she's she's really doing exemplary work. You got to give her a shot. We see that um, Jordan Peele is getting gigs because he's doing that work. And, and but when you have these folks that have that have already been there, they're already at the party. The David Ayers and the Max Landis's, and Landis is, is the scion of John Landis, 
um, you know, they kind of they they kind of are half with it. You know, what I mean, it's it's, it's so so. Again, I have to repeat these mixed. You get these mixed bags. When I saw uh, Margaret Cho, who I uh, I'm a, a fan of, and I know she's kind of a, of a ribald, out there comedian, and I see her kind of as a proxy for the black stereotypical sergeant. So, so in other words, visually, you you know you normally see the trope of the the, the the brusque kind of overbearing black sergeant. This time it was an Asian woman doing it, and it came off a little different. <laughs> And then she flipped it some. She flipped it in a different direction. So it's like, okay, if they had other people in that writing room, this could have actually done something. So the the, the whole de- default thing, even when they try it, they can't commit to it. And that's what that's that's where you kind of miss me a little bit. So it's an experiment. That's all I gotta say. It's an experiment. I'm taking it for what it's worth. But if we're gonna go for, deeper into this, just like the uh, the 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 Vanity Fair cover where. Nothing but white female actresses, I think, because of this upcoming Oscars. Was L.A. Times. White, uh, was L.A. Times. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, uh, was L.A. Times cover? The one that you're referring to that came out recently? Yes, right. L.A. Times. Okay, okay, thank you for correcting me. Um, you know, people are now, I mean, you know, listen, as, as Captain says, you have this self, self-importance thing, but, I mean, it, sometimes it works. People were saying, Hey, why are there so many white females, just white females on this thing? And I said this about this whole spate of allegations that people of color and women of color are going to be left out of it. Some folks hear what I say but don't listen to what I say. Hearing and listening are two different things. And as expected, the the white females, the actresses, they're not quote-unquote woke. So you have a, a contingent of folks online that are saying, well, hey, wait a minute. Of all stripes, mind you, people just – it's starting to be very noticeable. People are saying, hey, the, the, the actresses, their goofy behinds didn't notice this. And you, ha- you have uh, women of color who are, who are being considered for, for Oscars. So you can't just say it's Oscar, Oscars so white this time. It's, it's an omission that is glaring now. It looks awkward. It has always been awkward, but it's even more now. So people are calling this stuff out. So it's one thing for it to be a certain way visually and with just a a magazine cover. But now it's getting to be this way with behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, you've got to get some people in there to mix things up. All right, let's go to our Chi-Town rep, Sergio Mims, to get his impressions, then we're going to move along. Sergio, happy holidays, man. Well, thank you so much. I know I have not seen the picture. I really don't want to. You know, Will Smith has been on the 10-year losing streak. I mean, the last movie he's made that actually made money that he that he was the lead in was Hancock, and that was back in 2008. Um, and also the the model. I don't know how this model is going to work for for Netflix. I mean, they announced, as I have mentioned before, they plan to release 80 movies next year. How's that going to work? Who's going to see all that stuff? Who has time to see let, maybe one-fourth of those movies? Um, I don't know exactly what the business model is. Um, I guess they felt that they had to do one really big-budget, lousy picture like all the studios do to make it like a real film studio. 
but you know my interest is not in it and um it in terms of that cover you talked about the um which when I saw a couple of days ago immediately it struck me why did he got all these white women on the cover well interestingly uh today Jessica Chastain who is on the cover has now criticized it saying that where are the women of color on the on this cover and i said well why did she bring that up now you know you're on the cover didn't you, you took the photo didn't you why didn't you bring that up when the picture was being taken you know it's too See, late to me, now to me i'm one of those people i'm one of those people right or wrong but i'm one of those people that when you do something like this when you make the choice to participate in something like this, if there is a backlash, keep your damn mouth shut. Because to me, you come off worse by saying, oh, well, we need to be more inclusive. This industry has a long way to go. And where are all the women of color? Where? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try to say the B word because I don't want to be crass, but I mean, honey... You made the choice to be on this cover. So I don't want to hear you flapping your mouth about how, oh, well, why aren't there more women of color? Why, why aren't we more inclusive? Why, it's like, I, why are you even talking? Why are you even saying this after the fact? I don't want to hear from you. Do like the other, the, those other ladies. Do like those other white ladies did. Be smart about it. It's like what's done is done. Keep your mouth shut. Because to me, it is, it's just even more of insult to injury to do the damn cover. And then after the fact, after everybody gets upset and angry, then you want to act like, oh, my gosh, this, is, this, isn't, this isn't right, you guys. This isn't right. Really? Oh, Really? You noticed? I'm just, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't like that. I don't like that. If you make the choice, you cash the check, then keep your mouth shut. That's how I feel. That is how I feel. Don't bring this up after it's already done. Now, I think clearly, I think her PR people got to her and said, oh, gee, this is not a good look. You got to do something about this. That's what I believe. You know, so now this is she sent out this tweet to basically cover her ass. Exactly. This is all this is. Cover your ass time. But well, because you know, I can see right through it, it makes me it makes me respect you even less because I can see exactly what you're doing. Well, you know, something else. And this is we we, we have to be a little bit more on, on some on some ish, too. And I mean, this respectfully. I, I'm tired of having to tell people commonsensical things. I can't, I just can't, I don't have, I think Claire knows what I'm, where I'm going with this. I can't keep on doing this. But what I mean is, there's this, there's an element of, well, um, anytime pe- a person of color makes some kind of hallmark, like, oh, the first Asian this, or the first black person that, it's like, wow, you people, you people are really coming along, aren't you? And that's not what's going on. No, it's the folks that are in charge that make the decision to give you a shot. That's not, it's not incumbent upon um, people of color to, to enlighten you. So when it's like, well, 
we, some, someone has to be more, you know, we have to be or somebody has to be more inclusive. No, you have, to, you have to get over whatever you're getting over, whatever you need to get over, and give people a shot and stop being so in your own head. Like, and, and the way, I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but I don't think of people, I don't color code people. I just, know, I just kind of have an instinctive way of looking out for everybody. I mean, I, don't, I just don't feel, like, I, don't need, I don't need someone to tell me to, to, to act right, I guess, I guess what I'm saying. I, I think of, um, of the great Chris Rock. Chris Rock said something, these, these, these comedians, sometimes they can be quite insightful. And he said something, um, it might have been part of his act or whatever, but he said something to the effect of racism works kind of like uh, if you see a couple, um, a, let's say a married couple, and the, the man is known to beat his wife. And then you look from a distance and you say, you know, after a few years, wow, you know, those two are getting along. It's good to see that they, they're getting along. And what it really is, uh, Rock says, no, it's not about them getting along. It's the husband said, I just got tired of beating his wife. He stopped beating his wife, and things got better. So you know, this whole thing about, oh, well, we need to be more, you know, we need to be inclusive. And if they start doing certain things, this and that, and I don't want to hear any more talk about diversity. Even I'm, I don't even like the word. It's just do the right thing. Do what life is about. Life, I see people, and maybe I'm jaded, maybe Claire's jaded. Many of us are in urban centers. Sergio is out of Chicago. Um, we know that Bison's out of D.C., I mean, all these. I mean, we live in urban areas, so we, I'm not. I I see Haitian doctors. You know, when they talked about when when this a hole spoke about. Yeah, I'm going there. Uh, talks about a, uh, Haitian people and Nigerians. I meet people in the gym, that, and, and Catherine knows this. I know we know people Africans that are in, have engineering degrees. Those are Africans that I know. Uh, I I, know, I have Haitian doctors. I have a Haitian doctor. Shout out to Doctor Tassie. I grew up with Haitian men, Haitian men and women, Haitian families. All of them are professionals. I don't know about this AIDS business. I don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, I'm kind of tired of waiting for people to catch up with humanity. That's enough. But you I'm, know, I'm it's, all, it's all hollow. It's all, it's all lip service. It's all, excuse my language, but you know what? Merry Christmas. It's all bullshit. Okay, let's just be real. They don't mean it. They don't mean it. They don't give a damn about inclusion or diversity or all these other buzzwords to try to cover their ass and make them seem, you know, PC or make them seem like they're part of that whole liberal, you know, crowd and like, you know, please, please, I want everyone to like me. I don't want I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I'm just some Aryan or, you know, some very you know, well-to-do person that doesn't give a damn about others that are in the, you know, people of color or women of color or LGBTQ or any any other disenfranchised group. Like, please, please don't think ill of me. I'm with you. I'm with y'all. I support y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Rah, rah. But we all know it doesn't mean a damn thing. We all know it means nothing. It just, it just irritates me. It just Oh, my God, it just drives me nuts that you feel the need to say something after the fact, after the backlash, after people get upset. 
Now, this is not the first time this has happened, okay? I've already tweeted my response regarding this when, when you, we brought this up in, in conversation. But this is nothing new. This is nothing new for the L.A. Times to put an all-white cover. Nothing new. Hollywood Reporter, Vanity Fair, has done it numerous times over the years. This is just the way it is. This is common. This is status quo. This is to be expected, which just adds, like I said, insult to injury is the fact that people, you know, it's not like before when you could say, well, I mean, come on, there really wasn't that many, you know, nominees of color and there really wasn't that many projects or films or projects or whatever, no. anything that, that could, you know, that we could, that we could uh, support or spotlight or whatever. You can't say that anymore. You can't say that anymore, that you cannot find any people of color that are working and that are telling profound stories. You can't say that anymore. So this is a glaring, willful, willful act of exclusion. And that's why I'm just infuriated by this. It's like I just, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, well, here we go. Nothing's changed. Great. But then when I saw that, when I saw the cover your ass routine, it just it just made my blood boil. I, I want to because I, I would rather from... people just be who you are, just be real, come real with it. If you only care about your agenda and your career and white feminism, great, that's what you're all about. Don't pretend otherwise. Real quick, I want I want to hear from because um, I hear that uh, Q Stone wants to say something. Let me make this make, make this quick. Um, just really, at the, at the end of the day, and they're going to move forward in, into other topics. Um, we, whatever's going on with, the, with that crew, basically what, what Claire is talking about, whatever, whatever's going on, in spite of that, in spite of Donald Trump and some of the sentiment, sentiments that we're hearing for the last 11 months, we need to be about our own agenda and go forward in spite of – because the whole thing of waiting for people to come around – that's not a good look either. There's a lot of it's too much of well, you know, begging. And I see some of the leadership in in, in many uh, black I can say for in black leadership is a little bit of well, we got to convince white people to just do better by us. I'm not doing that. That, that that's ridiculous. Wh- whatever time it takes, I'm not. That's inconsequential. We got to go about our business. Um, I was with the Oracle, my father, yesterday, in his haunting grounds. I just we have to check out this um, this new seafood restaurant. I'm kind of shouting him out. A sea level, sea level, sea level soul food restaurant. A young woman opened this thing up about six weeks ago. It's on, on Farmers Boulevard in St. Albans, New York. Um, the historical St. Albans, I, I, I must say. You know, the jazz part of St. Albans, you know, where Lena Horne and uh, uh, Fats Waller, that, that, those, that haunting ground. And also Q, Q-Tips haunting grounds. A lot of culture in that enclave of Queens. So anyway... It was refreshing to support this young woman's restaurant, again, sea level at, in Queens. And, uh, you know, I, I was there with the Oracle, and I was talking to a young, young cat in there. And it would, I'm talking about Afro Nerd Radio, and then he, he spouts back Stan Lee. So it was, it was pretty cool to have a somewhat blurty conversation in a new, new Tony black establishment. And even the owners were looking at listening to the conversation. They said, "That's what we want to see. We want to see that building and that kind of exchange." So I'm just putting it out there. 
we got to do our own thing. So I was supportive of this sister with a, sea, a, a, a new seafood restaurant and having and building and having a damn blurdy conversation in that environment. So we got to be about that in spite of a damn um, magazine cover that screws us. I'm, I'm with Claire on that. Anyway, but we got to be about our own thing. Q, and then we'll go somewhere else. You wanted to say something. I think you just said what I was going to say. You, you you took a little bit more time to say it, but, I mean, what what would happen if we never talked about stuff like this again? Because I saw that, and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Wow. I'm not surprised. You know, I know that water is wet, and I know that grass is green. What's the next story on Twitter here? Yeah. What basically. if we had that attitude? Will we disappear? Will we melt? Would we feel like no one pays attention to us anymore? I don't think so, because I know in February I want to be spending, I want to see Black Panther three or four times. So why are we exerting any, why, why is this a story, not to call you out, but why are you, why are you even talking about this, D-Bert? I mean, let's move on. By the way, can I say, I have a question about Black Panther. Maybe we may wait till after a break. Uh, well, you know what? Yeah, I think you're on the, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're on the right move. Let's, let's take a quick break. Let's do that because you know. Um, let's take a, let's let's breathe for a minute, and then when we come back. I want to I do want to devote some time to Black Panther for a minute. Um, there's some box office news, potential box office news. I think it's a good seed as far as the figures that are coming in. And, and again, this is like two months before the damn film is is set to be released. We got to talk about that and uh, this this Kendrick Lamar business. You know, I guess some folks perceive that to be a good thing. I, you know, I'm kind of indifferent. Anyway. Um, all right, you know what? Uh, okay, this is. Um, I'm going to repeat myself. Uh, okay, uh, ain't no chimneys in the projects, <laughs> and that's for real. <laughs> ain't no chimneys in the projects, Sharon Jones. Again, two minutes. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
right, the great and late, unfortunately, Sharon Jones. Ain't no chimneys in the projects. Taking a break, I see that the uncanny has arrived. Um, let's let's go to him, and then we're going to open up into a different direction. Um, Daryl, man. Bah humbug, greetings. everybody. Bah humbug. <laughs> What's up, my brother? Uh, I hate this time of year, but to everybody out there that listens to us, to all the fans that hate us, love us, I hope you have a safe time with your families. Agreed. Your impressions of Bright quickly, man, because we, we really went in maybe too long on Bright, but... <laughs> no, I've been I've been pay, keeping tabs on 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 Twitter some of the stuff and and the bus I was call uh, I was listening from you know I couldn't call in let's put it that way it would have been the bus that Afro nerd would have really really liked let's put okay. it that way okay uh, bright I thought bright was decent but if you were expecting a major social like like outlook from Max Landis. Where have you yep. been? You're not going to get that from him. The, Bright was a missed opportunity, just because no other no other producer stuff decided to go in on it. All right, but I heard people, oh, this is the same tired tropey thing. Oh, oh, this, and and I, I I merely asked this reviewer who went like that, what did you think of End of Watch? Oh, End of Watch was great. Um, the same tropes were being used. <laughs> you just substituted one race for orcs, and and oh, but but there was so much racism about it. And and, and uh, listen, it's the same thing for movies like Training Day and End of Watch and Colors. It's just you put fairy creatures and mystical creatures in the places of black and Latino people. And the only roles that black and Latinos had were either dirty cops or gangbangers. There was no in-between. Oh, you see, you're looking at it so black and white. Hey, I thought the movie was decent. You're the one that said you hated it, and I just called you out on your hypocrisy. That's why I was telling people. I was telling people that. Like, yo, you, you, you may not like the movie. But don't give me you don't like the movie because it's racist or you don't like the movie because it's stereotypical. And then I hit you with two stereotypical movies that you say, oh, you love. I go like, well, why did you love those and hate this? Simply put, you know, if you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong, look at End of Watch and look at Training Day again with all the stereotypes in those movies. Okay, and then look at Bright again and tell me that Bright does not use the same tropes again. Now, if it had a bigger budget to it, they could have done more with it. And again, I hate when guys do this. Landis is guilty of it uh, as always. And I'll leave on this note. If you have people speaking in a foreign language, could we get some subtitles? That would have helped the, the middle part of this movie when you have an orc speaking orc, fairy speaking fairy. Hell, we didn't even get subtitles for the Latinos. Really? Okay. But it's a decent movie. But some people, oh, it's the worst movie of 2017. No, did, I ain't you guys, <laughs> did you guys see that Bridesmaid wannabe all white movie? 
Yeah, this was worse than that. Get the hell out of here. Now we can move on. All right. Um, Serge, you're, you wanted to go into this into um, Black Panther. Uh, I, I'll say from the jump that uh, there's some reports coming out now that there's early indicators that uh, now, again, we're talking about December, that they're looking at potentially a $90 million weekend opening for Black Panther. I think it's going to be substantially greater than that. But if $90 million is the threshold, I think we're, it's going to do gangbuster business. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, this, said, is, this um, is half, this uh, is half, this is, hold on, um, this, hold on, Serge, Serge, hold on. This is half the, half the amount, that, uh, I surmise, half the cost to do a Black Panther than that of a Justice League. So if it's a $100 million movie, I think we're in good shape. Proceed, sir. No, as I said, anything less than 90 will be a disappointment. Uh, I, I can see it do as much as 120 opening weekend. Um, the, 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 like I said, the big question I have is, um, well, one of two questions. The big question I have in terms of box office is what would it do overseas? Uh, Europe is covered. It's going to do big money in Europe. But I'm really curious to see how it would do in Asia and how it will do in South America. South America shouldn't be a problem. South America should be huge, too. Asia is one I'm, is one I'm interested in. Um, I know it was an article that came out not too long ago saying that uh, Chad, uh, Chad, uh, Chadwick Boseman is very, very popular in China. His last movie, um, uh, Marshall, was actually co-financed by the Chinese, um, by Chinese interests. Um, it, it doesn't have to open in China to be a hit, like I said before. Most films do not open in China. American films don't open in China. Deadpool did not open in China, but still that film did almost $800 million worldwide. So um, I'm, cur- I'm very curious to see how that film does, and in Japan as well, and also in uh, Taiwan and the Philippines. Uh, it should do very, very well in Australia. Black films seem to do very well in Australia. Um, so we shall see, you know. Um, anything less than half a billion worldwide could be, it actually would be a letdown. And I'm hard-pressed to think of a Marvel movie that has done less than that. Wait, but, Disregard, but, but. I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about the films released by Marvel. Disregard the X-Men movies or like that. Uh, but... Marvel rarely does under half a million worldwide. Okay, uh, just a quick going back to something you said. I didn't know this. The Chinese have financed Mar- the, mo- the Thurgood Marshall movie? Yes, they did. A part of it. You don't believe me? Look at the credits. Wow, I didn't know that. I really did not know that. Okay, you see, Serge bringing yeah. something I didn't know. So well, and listen, here's the question I have about Black, about Black Panther. And it dawned on me. I said, okay, I know everybody's excited to see it. I'm interested to see it. I'm not, like, dying to see it. And I realize what the problem is. Now, you will know this better than I do. But I do get the feeling this film is political. And this is what I mean. When you people, you have compared these films to like the way I felt with the black exploitation movies, but the black exploitation films had like a political underpinning. Almost always, the villain—well, always the villains were white, and had some kind of nefarious plan, and you had this black triumphant hero beating the racist villains. 
I don't see that in Black Panther. It looks to me, unless you know something different, there's going to be pretty much a generic villain. Now, if there was a plot where there was yet this villain who has a plan to kill all the black people in the world, oh, man, and Black Panther's going to stop that? I'm down uh, for that. Uh, okay, just to help you out, That's Serge. All right, on. just to help you out. Okay, T'Challa, usually the th- forces threatening Wakanda are white. Either doing a quote-unquote U.S. type thing, financing another black country or financing one of his villains to come after him, and, or, or they, they, they do that often. So there's usually something political behind it. That's A. B, no, but is it, clear, is it clear that they want to put, is he just a villain who happens to be white, or is he a villain who really wants to put black people down? No. It, again, it, it, it varies. Like, like you, you, yeah, hey, one of the most famous Black Panther stories was him in America taking on the Ku Klux Klan, <laughs> written by Don McGregor. I believe that was the, one of the McGregor runs with the Panther's Rage, you know? So Black Panther could be very political. Matter of fact, a lot of people are sour on the Black Panther book today because it is so political. And I go... Wait, you're mad at Black Panther because it's political and topical. Where were you for Don McGregor? Where were you for Christopher Priest? Where were you for Reginald Hudlin? You're you're let, mad let, because Black Panther is political now under Coates? Really? Okay. Let me let me let me give some information to um to Sergio because the cartoon that's based on the regiment Reg, uh, Reginald Hudlin. Again, Hudlin of the Hudlin brothers, and he's, he, he was obsessed and perhaps is obsessed with the Black Panther, right? He did a cartoon that BET barely – let's go show you what, what BET sensibilities are. Even when we have our own imprints, sometimes we're, we're, colon, we're, we're just as bad as the colonialists, the colonizers. colonizers. Anyway, um, the cartoon was extremely well acted. Even Stan Lee, of course, he makes an appearance. Stan Lee plays, an, plays a uh, general. But you had Jaiman Hensu as the Black Panther, and many people thought that he would have been a great live-action uh, Black Panther. Kerry Washington, Alfre Woodard, and Jill Scott were in the cartoon. Now, I'm going to play a clip that we've used for a cold opening to give you an indication of, of how political this could be. Now, this is the cartoon that, again, your black network barely played because they were all about the minstrels so hold on listen to this clip we played it a, a thousand times before and if they have any kind of if they get anywhere near this kind of discourse in the movie you better watch yourself hold on your majesty will pay whatever price you set for your goods they are not for sale until the spiritual advancement of the west catches up to the technological prowess it would be irresponsible to share our scientific discoveries with you. Are you calling everyone here irresponsible children? No. More like sullen teenagers who feel more mature than their behavior warrants. The fact that every conversation here is framed in terms of profit and power says it all. You could have made half these breakthroughs yourself. But there's too much money to be made in misery. Why cure a disease when people pay for medicine? Why provide cheap energy? Yeah, we when... get the point, T'Chaka. 
I've never met a socialist with a crown on his head before, but I guess there is a first time for everything. Who gave you permission to use my first name? I am sorry. I did not mean to offend. I understand your frustration in dealing with a black man who can't be bought with a truck full of guns, a plane full of blondes, and a Swiss bank account. But please, hold on to what little class you have. Okay. As I said, if you see anything like that in a Disney global product, I would be shocked. Heck, I might be doing the Watusi in the middle of the damn aisle of the of the. Of the if it gets anywhere close to that, you know what I'm saying? That's a mind you. That's a cartoon. That's a cartoon. <laughs> Is it possible to hear a cartoon character wet himself? Go like, oh, we didn't mean to say it like that. <clears throat> now that's mm. the Black Panther. That's the Black Panther. So we will see. We will you see. Got one more you should play. <laughs> oh, well, say, okay, we'll, well, well, like say, we will see. <laughs> we will see what they will do. We will see. Um, I wish I had a copy of the script. Maybe I can call some friends in L.A. See, maybe they got a copy of it. Hold on one they second. Let's, just give, let's give a minute of this. Hold on. You can go home now. We have already taken out the garbage. I wanted to question them. We have the answers we need. I guess that means I have questions for you. Goodbye, Captain America. We need to talk. Maybe you just lop off the head of every newcomer who hits town. If we did that, you wouldn't have yours. But those Nazis were here for a reason. Yes, to steal our vibranium. The mineral that can only be found here, in Wakanda. Hitler needs it for the next generation of the missile systems. As do you. These are dangerous times. You need to choose a side. We have our own. We take our borders very seriously, and you have crossed ours. Now look here. Mistake. Buddy, I've just about had it. You're just plain rude. Move back. You get the gist. <laughs> he had to regulate Captain America, and that's something else that will be interesting to see. I don't, I don't know if we, if we will see something like that. But um, the, the Black Panther is a it, – it's a really a um, – it's a station. It's an office. It's like it's – it's, like, uh, it's a designation. And there have been many Black Panthers, which you'll see in the film. That, that, mark, that much you will see. There have, been, there have been many Black Panthers. So there's a storyline uh, that's canon where I believe maybe uh, T'Challa's father or grandfather squared off with Steve Rogers during World War II, and he defeated Steve Rogers. He, uh, Captain America is supposed to be that dude. And we've seen him, you know, in, um, in Winter Soldier. You know, he's, he's a, he is a specimen. That guy can fight. 
but he still isn't Black Panther. There's so many implications when it comes down to, again, what Wakandans are about and what Black Panther is about. And Black Panther's predecessor mapped Captain America. Now, if we see that in film, like some kind of past, I don't know if, we, I don't know if we're going to go there. But it would be interesting to see a different Black Panther kick Steve Rogers' ass in 1944. But that's what happened, again, in the cartoon. In the cartoon. Actually, well, actually, I want to go if uh, go Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Remember Hawkeye first coming to Wakanda? Hawkeye first comes to Wakanda, sees the Black Panther on the throne. And he goes like, well, how do you become leader here? Oh, you have to challenge the leader and beat him in battle. That's all I have to do? And Black Panther looks at him like, you couldn't even beat my bodyguards. And but Hawkeye goes, them? I could take them. And then all of a sudden, you didn't even see the door behind move. All of a sudden, there's two freaking spear tips, one to either side of Hawkeye's head. And he's like, I take that back. If you well, guys look. see like that, bam, I'm in. Hey, guys. Well, well, look, we saw a little bit of that in, um, in Civil War between Black Widow squaring off with one of the Dora Milaje, where, you know, you saw uh, kind of in the background um, Chadwick kind of saying, you know, we don't have enough time for this, but I'd like to see this. But basically he's like, you know, she said that, you know, this sister was up front because um, we know that Scarlett Johansson's son was diminutive. So she's towering over Black Widow saying, move or be moved. So we we saw a little bit of some badassery. They hit it. So I'm thinking, as I'm really going through this, we might actually see what we're supposed. We might actually see what we're supposed to see. It, it, you know, we saw him like, "Be moved." I don't know, man. I don't know. Hey, listen. I, I love all I'm hearing from my from my black people. I, I love all of y'all. But I think one of the things that just I find hilarious is that we get so caught up in wanting to make ourselves known or make ourselves self-empowered <clears throat> that I think we go a little bit overboard. Why would I want to see a movie where the white villain is trying to kill all the black people? Why would I want to see that? Why can't well, I just enjoy it right now? You're not going to see that. Why can't I just enjoy a film where the villain happens to be white and Black Panther has to regulate. It's like uh, someone well, I know. Well, because I'll tell you why. I'll tell well, you why. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. One of the things, uh, a friend of mine who shall remain nameless, he's already on that bandwagon because in the trailer you see Captain America and Black Panther running side by side with the Wakandans behind them. But Captain America is slightly ahead of Black Panther. So he's like, oh, see what they're trying to do? See what they're saying? Oh, uh, Q, you 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 uh, pimping for white daddy? Ah, give me a well, break. Okay, but as a movie, but but, but 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 tell your friend what was the first shot they showed of that? Captain America is standing behind the Wakandans. That first group shot. Now during the battle, Captain America, of course, he's going to lead the forefront when he starts the fight and stuff. But the first battle, that's bearded Cap in the back. 
He's in the back. That's where the 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 fake neo hotepism and stuff come in when they talk about Captain America being there. Okay, yeah, you guys are stepping out now. All right, who funded the Ultimates? Oh, where where did Cap and Company go when they got away? Yeah, they they went to Wakanda. That's that mutual respect thing. Well, he no, because, ain't there to take over. No, it's because of the times we live in. You just heard what Deber talked about, what Trump said about Haitians and Nigerians, and this whole of. of this world we're living in now where, you know, you have the alt-right and Steve Bannon and, you know, neo-Nazi marches. And it would be an incredibly, I mean, this is a guy who won, who ran and won on a racist presidential campaign. So it would be an incredible message, I would think, to have, see, a black guy not being this nice, supportive guy, hero, but a black hero who's making a statement. Just like in the black exploitation era, we had Richard Nixon, and we had the Black Panthers, and we had Vietnam War, and it was all this madness going on. You think things are bad now. You should have been back there in 1971. And so um, you, you have this whole feeling, and you wanted to see a black hero getting back. Sidney Porter wasn't cutting it. He was he cutting into that. Right? Even though we he wanted did to see somebody that, we wanted to see an angry black guy finally get even. Right? So that's why I think it would be nice, we shall see, if Black Panther is political. Because it will make a statement. Why why do you think Get Out was such a big hit? That film came out two years ago, nobody would have cared. The reason the movie was a hit now is because it was perfect timing. It seemed to be addressing the situation we were in. That's why I want to see Black Panther be political. We shall see what happens. Well, you know something. Let me, break, you know, since you mentioned Sidney Poitier, we're going to move along. Um, even Sidney Poitier, you know, because he always had this. He was always known as a race man, essentially. Like he was, uh, you know, when I always talk about respectability politics, his name comes up quite a bit. Because he was such a, a, a class act, he was a tall, um, you know, just just a just a classy classy guy. And actually, if you really want to get into this, he he really represented the best of black manhood. But even then, they people the the, the culture perceived him to be kowtowing to white people. He was he was too refined. So even he had to kind of conform to what. Sergio's talking about, you know, he had a kind of a few films where he went into this this pro black thing, you know, in the late six after the after the heat of the night. And again, mind you, in the heat of the night, he slapped this white dude, what this, this this white racist, which even to this day is considered to be very profound and and, and revolutionary. But he actually did, I think, a movie called The Lost Man. Yeah, I've seen and, it. Uh, yeah, and it did a Brother John and the organiz- organization. Bucking the preacher, like he did a couple of movies where he was going into badassery territory. So you can't even say that City Portier, like even he had to had to kind of conform to the black militant, militancy of the period. Now I got to mention one other thing. Hold on, Serge. I got to mention one other thing, then we're gonna move along. Um, you know, also uh, something that the captain talks about a lot about self-importance, and everybody has their day and we need to be seen and everything. I think we're just at that at that time. 
it's it's the time where everyone has to kind of show and prove. Our our dear Claire Lene sent out a tweet. I'm kind of excited about this, and I didn't realize this so much. But even in next season's Westworld, it's called Westworld, but with that that film film that series, there are different worlds. So we're going to see a samurai world, and we're we're probably going to see not probably we're going to see a Hiroyuki Sonata. At, where I think, and this guy doesn't appear to age. I think mean, he's almost sixty years old. He looks like he's pushing forty, but that's you know, <laughs> that's how that's how we get down, I guess. Black and uh, Asian folk, we seem to age very well. But anyway, um, we're going to see a samurai world, a Japanese world, uh, as AIs. Uh, Sonata, you might remember, I think, as the villain in the Wolverine. But why does this matter? It matters because now people are looking. So I'm, I'm thinking, we're, you know, just as, as we see the Wakanda kind of coming and, and, and we're seeing that light being, being shown, even in Westworld, we probably will see less of a Western world. You know, now we're going to see an Eastern world of robots. So this stuff matters. It, it appears to matter. Go ahead, um, Go ahead, sir. No, as, as I remember, you know, Sidney Poitier's first movie, I, remember, I saw it in college. He showed it to us in a class once, is uh, No Way Out. And the final scene in the movie, remember, this movie came out in 1950. The final scene in the movie is that uh, Poitier is trapped in, this house, trapped in this house with Richard Widmark, who is this vicious racist who has started a race oh, war. 1950, and, and, I remember that, yeah. Right. Widmark has shot... Poitier, and and Widmark is also wounded. So Poitier, who's a doctor, tends to Widmark's wounds. And this woman who is in the house trapped with them says to Poitier, why would you help this man after all he has done to you? And Poitier says, this is a direct quote, I can't let this man die because he hates me. Now, in a class, we howled. We could not believe that. That was like, are you kidding me? But remember, 1950, five years before the Montgomery bus boycott, Sidney Pony represented the kind of image they wanted. Okay, that don't play today. That didn't play in the late 60s. It may have played in the 50s. It played for most of the 60s. By the late 60s, that didn't play. In the 70s, that was over. As you said, he had to change his image. Once again, we're in a situation where we have a racist president putting out racist tweets or making statements, right? And you're telling me you got a black hero and you're not going to make a statement about that? Well, again, this is Disney. <laughs> i got to remind you, this is Disney. We'll see how it works out. I'm very confident. We'll, see how it works we'll, out. we'll probably we have to wait until February 16th, and I can't wait. Let's move things forward a little bit. We got about 15 minutes remaining. <laughs> you probably uh, camped out right now. Uh, yeah, I, I do feel that. I'm very on edge. Trust me. Um, Star Wars. We got to go into this because we have uh, the, the, the uncanny. His time is precious. Uh, I want to go to Claire for a minute, uh, and then we're going to move things quickly because of time constraints. But you know, the, the Star Wars deal. Uh, we went into this before. I, I don't think at the time um, Claire was able to give us her impressions of Star Wars. But even beyond just how she thinks about it, is that, you know, we're getting all these people weighing in on Star Wars. First of all, we can't seem to agree if it's a, if it's a good picture. We have a petition out there that's saying that they want the, the film to be removed from canon. So there, there's someone <laughs> – I, mean, I mean, you know what I mean? We got so much stuff. 
the, the, the people of color representation, we did hint at this last week, that really seems to be a problem. I mean, it really is a problem. When I talked about the samurai world, I, I didn't just mention this just as, an off, just as an off anecdote. I mean, having people of color, Latin, Latin folk, uh, um, uh, Native Americans, you're going to see more properties with, from different perspective, perspectives. But this seems to be a problem, and, and, and it's, it's a problem for even Star Wars people. Well, they, don't, they, they, like ha- they have a problem, whether this is good or bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, actually. It's crazy. You know, so, well, I, said, I, have, I haven't said my opinion about the oh, movie. I, I gotta, oh, hold on. I've got to give the mic to Claire. Let's give it to the First Lady. Claire. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Claire. Your impressions of Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and even all this other stuff, and we got to kind of keep it close to the clock. we got about 14 minutes. <clears throat> all right. I'll try to run through it as quickly as possible. I will say, I will say that there are a lot of moments that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. I will say there were absolutely some moments that I was blown away by. Am I allowed to give any spoilers or no? Yeah, we're past the. It's been two weeks. Bap. If they haven't seen it now, tough for them. Go right ahead. All right. Well, here we are. Here we are. I'm just gonna say that you know, a uh, a moment in which I really just visually, in terms of visual spectacle, something that we've never seen in the Star Wars franchise thus far, is the moment when Laura Dern, you know, purple purple hair Holdo turns the vessel around, goes to light speed, and slices the enemy ship in half. Just just like a hot knife through butter. And the whole theater goes silent. And I could hear everybody just gasping, just holding their breath. That visually was incredible, I must say. I must say, that was amazing. Um, listen, I understand some of the criticisms. I understand, you know, some of the, the, the heated debate as to why people don't feel like this is true to, to, the, the, to the franchise, true to the characters. Um, I will admit that there's a lot of, you know, stuff that's, that's an unraveling. It's an unraveling. I think repeatedly, consistently across the board, I've heard many people say that this movie was basically taking everything that J.J. Abrams did in Force Awakens and just, you know, said F you to that. Just completely undid it. You know, a lot of stuff that we were set up to, to speculate and to wonder about and to build up in our minds for the last two years was basically, you know, we kind of got the middle finger in some of these, some of these uh, aspects. But, but I'm not freaking out about it simply because I understand that, you know, Ryan Johnson wanted to do something completely to subvert expectations. He doesn't want this to be such a a cookie-cutter, formulaic Star Wars film, even though what's ironic about that is that there are so many elements that, again, just pulls directly from Empire and, you know, from the original trilogy and, and whatnot. So, you know, it's all up for debate. People are very, very um, passionate about this franchise. I respect that. I get that. All right? Now, a lot of the criticism, a lot of the criticism, 
that was lobbed at this movie. And I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to comment on Princess Leia doing her Mary Poppins. <laughs> all right, I'm not even going to comment on that. I'm not going to even touch that, all right? Make of that what you will, okay? But a lot of the criticism has to do with Finn and Rose and their storyline, their adventure. Now, consistently across the board, I mean consistently, not, not you know, something that has really surprised me at all, but it ranges anywhere from vitriolic, racist ugliness to people just saying, you know what, I don't think that their adventure was very, you know, remarkable, integral, it felt inconsequential, I just didn't think it was interesting, kind of brought the pace to a halt. I've heard a lot of different variations of complaints against the Finn Rose storyline, you know, going off to the casino planet and, you know, the whole message about war, profiteering, um, the mistreatment of animals and, and whatnot, and having all this be for naught, basically, because the mission failed. Benicio del Toro you know, betrays them and blah, blah, blah. And all for what? So that the very last moment of the film can indicate that there are these orphan children, that there are people out there that are force-sensitive, that the rebellion that the resistance will live on. So I get it. Don't get me wrong. Structurally within the story, I get it. Now, how do I feel about these characters? How do I feel about the storyline? I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but i got to be real. I'm inclined to agree with some of these critiques. I'm inclined to agree that the Finn Rose story is not very well done. It's a little awkward. It's a little clunky when Rose kisses Finn. I cringed. I was like, what the hell is this? I'd be, listen, listen, I need more than 14 minutes to go in. I mean, to really go in. But I'm just going to say this. I feel that Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega, they deserved better. They deserved better than this. Because their whole, you know, separate storyline, their B storyline was just, like I said, meandering. And it really didn't have anything to, to contribute in terms of the overarching plot. Just to, you know, have that, just to have certain, you know, beats and moments converge at a certain point doesn't make for a strong story or, or even just character development. And that whole thing felt so forced. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that... Listen, listen, in terms of, in terms of the, the value of representation, you know how I feel about that. I'm pretty damn passionate about that. My mother, my mother, who has never supported this whole adventure of, that I have gone on for the last 11 years of trying to be an actor, trying to be, you know, someone that is in the silver screen or whatever here in L.A., she, she still still may not believe that this is possible for me, but let me tell you something. When she saw Kelly Marie Tran, you know, in, in the newspaper, and she's, like, cutting out these clippings and sending it to me, like, that's basically her way of telling me that, you know what, I didn't think this was possible, but I was wrong. 
I didn't think it was possible for an Asian girl, let alone a Vietnamese Asian girl, to be in a Star Wars movie. I didn't think that was remotely possible. So she already, I mean, like, it was kind of reminding me, like, wow, this, the significance of this cannot be swept aside. It cannot, you know, it, it cannot be unappreciated by me, certainly. But, again, because I am objective, I try to be when it comes to my assessment of a movie, I actually, I felt more, I felt more for her sister at the beginning of the movie than I felt for the Rose character throughout. If I'm going to be perfectly honest with all of you, I felt more for her sister Paige in that opening battle scene than I felt for the Rose character. If I'm going to be real with you, you know, I know exactly what Jen Yamamoto, who, you know, she sent that tweet out. She's a film critic. That's the moment that she was talking about. That's the moment that grabbed her heart. Same here. Same here. That was very powerful to me. That was so meaningful to me to see that. You know, to see a moment of, of self-sacrifice, of, of, of heroism, you know? I mean, it's, it's not much. It's not much. She doesn't say anything. She's not on the screen for a long time, but I felt that. I felt that. And so I just, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised by the hatred. I'm not surprised by the racist remarks. I'm not surprised by any of this stuff. Like I said, we, just, we live in a very strange time. Everything's a problem. Everything is a fight. Everything is political. The lines, the battle lines have been drawn. It doesn't matter if we're talking about, you know, government or if we're talking about movies. That's just how it is right now. But, you know, I, I got to say, I, I, overall, I enjoyed this movie. I can see its flaws, of course. I can see that there were certain moments in which, you know, maybe, maybe bits and pieces of humor didn't quite land. I can see certain moments of drama that felt a little bit contrived, a little over the top and unnecessary. I can see some of the, the issues. Of course, nothing is perfect. But I'm sorry, I cannot deny how, how effective these, these images were, you know, on me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to that forever, you know? We got about five minutes, unfortunately. Uh, I hear you, Claire, certainly. And uh, there's, I think what we need to be doing especially uh, and continue doing this is that um, as Afroner proceeds going into 2018, we've got to be more upfront with cataloging these moments, whether they're in comic books, whether they're in, in, on TV, Netflix, streaming, movies, whatever, of folks of color, uh, or not just folks of color, but, you know, listen, this is what we're about. And just moments where people kind of, exceed expectations and just do certain things that are noteworthy. We have to catalog them and promote them, and that's what we're about. But we have to be even more, more forceful about it. So I hear you. Trust me, I hear you on that. Um, Daryl, I know I think you wanted to say something, and maybe we'll go in a few, more, few minutes beyond the, uh, the live broadcast. We, we might give it another no, five minutes. No, I, I just want to tell Claire, Claire, for your mom, okay, it's rolling around the net. I think if I can find the video again, I'll send it to you. There's a, there's a, her, a Kelly Marie Tran's friend 
took video of her. They're in like a Starbucks or a coffee shop. And the table next to them has a couple of kids of Asian descent talking about the movie and how much Rose Tico means to them. And they don't know that Kelly is sitting at the next table. And the camera is only on Kelly's face, showing her emotions as she's hearing these kids go on. So, you know what? Hey, if if that has that effect with Asian Asian and Asian American kids to get into the genre, to get them motivated and stuff like that, hats off to Ryan Johnson, hats off to Kelly Marie Tran. Let's move on. All right, a few things, uh, just kind of quickly, Daryl, you, you would have an interest in this, of course. Um, Blade, allegedly, some Marvel representative tweeted out that that hashtag blade with this agents of shield storyline uh wherever it may go i mean it's it's the agents of shield in space with with the kree <laughs> so i don't know how blade plays a role in that although i think blade is immortal so uh i have no idea what's going on and 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 again even wesley snipes responded to it saying hey it's in marvel's court he's ready to rock and roll so what what do you think this means if anything I- I think the next, uh, if they really want to do it, the next time we see Ghost Rider on their, their thing, we'd see Blade with them. And that, not for Blade to have an episode, but just to go like, oh, have everybody like that, and just cut the cut the feed, cut do like how they did those little after uh, after things, you know, like like uh, uh, Agents of Shield, Shield will return, and then you see. Here, here's Ghost Rider's car pulling up. Here comes Ghost Rider stepping out. And here comes Blade stepping out of the other side of the car. Fade to black. You realize how big that the internet would blow apart with? Oh, my God. What's that? Now, imagine if it was Wesley Snipes' Blade stepping out of That's the car. It. Oh, oh, we would be getting, like, speculation for weeks. Upon weeks, upon weeks. And there you go, Clark Gregg. I just gave you an idea. Pitch it. Go ahead and pitch it. Somebody, get the Whedons on the phone. Pitch the idea. There you go. Hey, you know something? We're going we're gonna to go a few minutes over the So for the listening audience, if it cuts off, check us back for the rebroadcast because there's going to be another five minutes on this, on a few other topics. Uh, Merry Christmas, by the way, people. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Uh, happy Festivus. All that jazz. Um, yeah, it, 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 it really needs to be Wesley, doesn't it? And that's what's really at issue. I mean, I don't want to see, like, another black dude that I don't know just being, um, just being Blade. And also, this is a, I'm going to say something. I'm like Claire now. I'm, I'm going to have to kind of be a little just straight to the cuff. Um, black folks age pretty well, man. Okay, so this whole thing, sometimes they, they have this thing of hearing the age and not actually looking at them. And this is the kind of the, um, the, 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 the white... And I don't want to colorize everything. I don't. I don't want, because I, we have listeners of all shades. So, but I must confess, white business culture. There's the whole ageism thing that when they hear that Wesley's like 52 years old or 53. Honestly, people of color, and if, and maybe uh, Tom Cruise, <laughs> many of us age very well. When you see um, Wesley Snipes, let's get off this whole thing. Well, he's aged out of the role. I saw Wesley Snipes a year ago, two years ago with the NBC. He looked like Wesley Snipes. So I, the whole thing, he's too old. I really don't want to hear that. We, we just, I just mentioned, I just 
mentioned the gentleman for for Westworld. Uh, he, he's almost he's what, 57 years old. Sonata. The man looks like he's like 39 or something. So I, I'm more about if you looked apart and you still had the physical presence, I still want to see Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes as Blade. It's not going to mean anything if it's some other dude. Anyway. You couldn't take sticky fingers again? Nah. I mean, you know, I tolerated him for that series. I have to admit, you know, once he made a TV translation, all right. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I have the suspicion they're going to come up with some, some, with some mess. Especially when Wesley tweeted out. Even Wesley said, "I'm down." You know what I mean? Heck, they're not even giving, they're not even giving Wesley Snipes credit for reviving the comic book hero movie genre as a whole. Yeah. Yep. It all started with Blade. Yeah, that's. I mean, he he bears that distinction. I mean, the, the you know b- before there was an MCU, it was there was Blade, and and Blade Three really represents the, the the Hollywood suit mentality that can torpedo a film. That's the reason why we really haven't seen Blade going forward. Has a lot to do with 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 the suits coming in, saying, "Well, we got to go for younger people." Bringing in Ryan Reynolds. You know, bringing in uh, what's it, Jennifer? What's it, what's it, what's, uh, Jessica? What's her name? Uh, what, Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer, yeah. Was it Gardner? No, or it, it was the other one. Um, uh, what's his name's wife? No, it was Jennifer Gardner. Jessica Biel. So. Oh, sorry, Jessica, Jessica Biel. Thank, Thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, they they thought, well, we got to go younger and go in this different direction. So giving us Blade. That's that Hollywood-ish. So, uh, Claire, what do you think? I mean, don't you think it would make sense? I mean, because, okay, listen, I confess, I want to see Wesley again on this, in any capacity, but do you think he's going to pull some crap and make it whack by not having uh, Wesley, or do you think they might actually do something something crazy? The, explo- the internet would explode if we see Wesley as Blade again. It would make sense. But what do you think? What do you what do you think? Well, see, here's where I'm just, I mean, of course I'm curious. Of course I'd love to see him back, you know, back in the role and, and doing his thing. I mean, that would be insane. But are they just going to give, let's just say, we don't even know. This is all wild speculation. But are they teasing that they're just going to give him, you know, a, a story arc? Like, a, a couple episodes of Agents of Shield. They, Is I think they're going like, that way. Kind of like a, that, another test run, like they, they did with Ghost Rider. Yeah, but that could be possible. But you have to remind ourselves that John Berthold had an arc also. Now where he, now he's on season two. Yeah, so, but there's so not going to be a Ghost Rider show. There is not going to be a Ghost Rider show. Certainly not on ABC. After this Disney Fox deal, we don't know what's going on. Not on ABC. Maybe, maybe if the ratings were a little bit more, you know, decisive about how popular of a character he was, then yeah, there's a possibility to to spin it off onto Netflix. But even that relationship is already tenuous as is because Netflix, of course, they get to keep it. They get to keep that stuff. But Disney's like, no, 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 no. We want to build up our library for our streaming. So I don't know. I don't know how dark they want to go 
in terms of, you know, television modules. But, but you know something? Go ahead. You know, you know something? Um, with, with any of these IPs right now, I think anything is possible. I, I, I would have, have it hard to believe that Ghost Rider is going to be so dismissed. Now, it's one thing for Ghost Rider to be on TV, right? And actually, the TV CGI was respectable. Um, and even Nick Cage, the only thing I thought was badass in the Fox uh, version of Ghost Rider was when he was riding up against the building. I thought that was like, th- that, was all, that was it for me. Um, and maybe the, the old Ghost Rider riding with, you know, the old West Ghost Rider with the, the modern interpretation of the, of, the, uh, of the character riding along each other. That was pretty interesting to look at. But Still want that see, as a poster. But to see Ghost Rider uh, on the silver screen, just I mean, just the look of that character, I would find it hard-pressed to, to, to not see that character after uh, the, 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 the sequel to Infinity, the Infinity War. I think anything's up for grabs. I don't, I don't, I'm not that dismissive that any of these characters, that, that since they've gotten the bat, that we won't see them somewhere. They brought them on S.H.I.E.L.D. for a reason. I don't know if they're going to bring a character like that incidentally on S.H.I.E.L.D. and not to be able to use them somewhere. We have no idea. Daryl, you might know. I mean, what do you think? Hey, I think, it's, uh, I think it's possible. And for folks who say Wesley's too old, he looked good in Expendables. And his movie, Armed Response, he carried out some action scenes in there looking good. So, you know, we're not saying he's Wesley from the 90s and going to do totally amazing things. But to do what Blade does... To, especially if we run with the storyline to lead into the Blade Individual series, where he's getting later in life, and now you got his 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 prodigy, maybe his daughter taking up the mantle. Which Marvel, you dropped this concept. You should have ran with it, but I, I'm leaving it alone. I'm I'm leaving the anger side. I'm trying to be jolly, you know. I, there are so many story possibilities, and. Since Agent of Seal introduced the Darkhold and they have Ghost Rider, you know, it would make sense that Blade pops up on there. If the whole rigmarole didn't happen with, with their own streaming services and stuff, well, guess what? The hand, ancient rights, Iron Fist could have led to Blade being introduced on, in that universe, too. You never know. The problem is... Uh, go ahead. One thing I've noticed is the Marvel comics sort of leans forward to what the TV and movie universe is going to do. And I know Blade was briefly in the revived Defenders. I haven't been following that title, so I don't know if it's still a current story arc or one and done. But they seem to just have just walked away from him like Namor and Galactus and Silver Surfer. So like Deeper said, maybe this... Um, Acquisition will portend something different three, four, five years from now. But right now, I don't, I don't see any movement on Blade. I think that's an internet thing that Wesley wants to happen. But it's just there's no movement on that. Well, right now, Marvel does have a Spirits of Vengeance slash Midnight Suns limited series out right now with with yeah. Blade, Hannibal King. It, it, they they have a series out now. He's also supposed to. The the new Doctor Strange series that's coming out, Damnation. Damnation. He's supposed to play a part in that too. So Blade isn't totally gone. It's just 
you know, here's the IP, let's push this. But at the same time, Marvel's dropping a lot of, uh, like, books at the same time. So it's a a double-edged sword. If a Justice League Dark gets done, you know, something tells me Doctor Strange is sort of Marvel's Dark. So that might be a... That might answer my own question, but I don't see. I, I just don't see movement on it. I, I mean, that's me. And I'm being that guy. I want it to happen, but I mean, at the most, you'll get deeper. And this is just Hollywood. I mean, Claire can tell you this. We've all seen this. At best, you will get Wesley on a walk on or some type of role if it happens. At best, if it's a reboot or something. That he'll come in and wave his hand or something. Yeah, so a, little, a little cameo. Yeah, at best. Well, 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 I want to say hey, something real quick. Hey, 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 Claire, as we go into 2018, I'm not going to get, you know, your personal life is your personal life, so I'm not going to get into that. But you have some powerful advocates on this telephone call when it comes to media, um, especially Sergio and, believe it or not, Daryl and Deeper. So, you know, as going forward when it comes to roles or whatever, I mean, you have a, you have some, these guys can do more than cheerlead. So I'm going to stop with that. And, um, you know, this time next year, we're going to be celebrating you appearing in some movie and say, hey, we remember her back on AfroNerd. So I hope that's something behind the scenes you and Bieber can work out. Maybe we can advocate for you in a way that's, you know, that you approve of um, on social media. Because believe it or not, um, I'm, I mean, um, decision makers do pay attention to social media. Well, well, look, I want to mention this quick. Um, you know, and I, I, I give a lot of credit to you, Bison, for coming up with the Patreon. I mean, I was aware of it, but to really kind of force my hand on it. And even Claire, all of us are talking about Patreon because other properties, um, other folks on the internet are using Patreon to their advantage. And what we're what we're actually doing is I have a young lady who's part of the Inner Sanctum, but she broke her hand, unfortunately. Shout out to uh, Sir Sally V. She's helping me, helping us with the site to kind of revamp the site, the site, the straighten out the site. I intend to have a, a diversity initiative on Afronaut Radio where I want Claire to kind of spearhead that. Um, and also, I mean, even though Afronaut is, is Afronaut, we also are expound and expand to other people of color and kind of showing Afronaut International or global, as it were, where we can we can have Claire discuss and kind of put out there about not only Asian content and Asian um, imprints and product, but Latinx, uh, Native Americans, um, other other people of color, other protected classes. We need we need to show improve basically. And you're you're right. So I, we're working on this. But as I said, shout out to Sally V. She broke her hand, so there's a little bit of a delay. But once we start to get that going, and I think that we, and Claire's listening, we need to start promoting more, even on what's going on, on YouTube. People are being discovered on YouTube. And if we can get get her more facially, just have her face on YouTube more and kind of putting out what we believe in, this new world. Black Panther is, is an excellent, is an excellent um, way to kind of bounce off of really people of color in the aggregate. Like, listen, we're here. There's, there's things going on. And, and just kind of going back into what Daryl was talking about with, you know, Midnight Suns. And the spirits of spirits of vengeance. Um, we have to be honest. Marvel is a master of really doing their own spin on genre TV and genre movies. So Doctor Strange, yeah, it's correct. Doctor Strange is kind of like the the, the 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 opening 
door for the for the supernatural content. But there's a lot of characters that Marvel has that really Netflix is ready is ripe for for a supernatural series. It really is. Um, I think that that Punisher was kind of a one-off. Daryl, maybe you can maybe you can speak to that. I think Punisher that John Bernthal was about that business, and there was enough interest in what he was doing that they said we can do a series, and they, the metrics were met, and they greenlighted a um, they greenlighted a season two very quickly. So I think the smart money would be to see some kind of Marvel supernatural series, whether because listen, you got they got Werewolf by Night, they got Ghost Rider, they got Morbius. They got Hellstrom. They got Blade. That's that's a whole different. That's a whole world that Marvel has yet to tap into. And I would be shocked if they didn't if they didn't really go with, go in that direction. It wouldn't make any sense. That's a that's a that's a genre that they really has yet to explore fully. Doctor yeah, Strange is um, only like one part of that. Well, I, I said that Marvel, Disney, uh, and DC. They're all leaving money on the table. Yeah. If they ever did a Tales of the Marvel Universe show, an anthology show, similar to like Twilight Zone or similar to The Outer Limits, where you get to introduce more IPs, you know, for characters that couldn't carry a whole series in their eyes, but give them a two, three episode arc, you know, uh, a who's who of DC, you know. Uh, uh, the Marvel Universe. If they ever did an anthology show, people would go nuts for that, like they do Agents of Shield, or like they do Legends of Tomorrow, or like they do Flash. Because you're see, or like they're doing now for The Gifted, where you're seeing characters you recognize get introduced that may not be the main character, but you're like, oh shoot, I remember that dude. Oh shoot, I remember that girl. And then all of a sudden you're telling your friends, yo, check this show out. Yo, this character appeared. This character appeared. You may not like the main cast, but, yo, they're giving shout-outs to the bigger universe. Enough said. They are look, leaving money on the table. And, and look, we don't know. We don't know who might be introduced through the Black Panther through a, a, a one or two or three after credit scenes. I mean, any anything you might see Blade coming out of that. I mean, you you just don't know. I don't brother know, I Voodoo, mean, I'm rolling brother, dice. Yeah, brother Voodoo, baby. Bro, yeah, Brother Voodoo. I mean, you you don't know. I, I think it's going to be very shocking. I think that that uh, we're off to the races after this Disney deal. It, they did not do this Disney deal just because. Now you have a whole situation where the, Marvel is going to flood the entire. A TV and movie landscape, maybe to our, maybe as a negative, because they have so much content. They almost have too much content. Johnny, Johnny Blaze, Danny Ketch. I mean, I mean, oh, there's so much they can do with this thing right now. This is the tip of the iceberg. And look, they have uh, Runaways. I'm actually, I'm actually digging Runaways. Runaways is is exceptional for a Hulu series. So, and Honey's, Honey, Runaways is kind of. Of you know it's a semi-popular series, so if, if, if Runaways can be Greek can be greenlighted for a TV series, and mind you, John Ridley, we know, we know John Ridley from Twelve Years a Slave, 
uh, and also what was the other TV series, the criminal, <coughs> pardon me, the criminal series that he did. American Crime. Popular. American Crime. Thank you. Uh, he's working on some some kind of yet untitled and unknown Marvel product. Uh, we could see a secret Defenders. If you have a Defenders, and the way that the the, the, the women's movement, the re-energizing of, of the women's movement. Now, how that translates to everybody else remains to be seen. But we are in the middle of that. We could see a Secret Defenders book just as easily as we saw Runaway. I mean, sorry, Secret Defenders TV imprint or some other imprint just as easily as we saw a, min, uh, saw a, a Runaways. Anything is possible. Hey, Dave, Anything. David, can I jump in real quick? Oh, um, yeah, sure, sure. Um, there's so many comic creators' titles that's coming to film. And one one I want to um, bring out is um, I'm a big fan of Boo Breaker and Sean Phillips. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you read Kill or Be Killed. That's been optioned. Um, I heard about that. Fatal is an option. Um, I think Fade Out, but I'm not sure. But, you know, and now you're going to see the Marvel Law Universe come to Netflix. You're going to see, um, um, you know, um, Kirkman is Outcast is out. and some more coming out. So, um, I think the Valiant Universe, I think Jack is coming out either next year or 2019. So it's just not, it's no longer, I mean, there's more choices in Marvel and DC. So let's just make your, your listeners know that um, they're more than, um, comic book creators doesn't mean just capes. I mean, there's a lot oh, yeah. of great storytelling by comic creators that has no superheroes. I mean, there's some, this is really the golden age in comic book writing. Like, there's so much good stuff out there. You can really go broke every Wednesday just copping all the good stuff that's coming out from comic creators. Now, I'm an image guy. Um, I'm not going to hide that. Because um, I'm waiting for um, I want to see what Milestone is going to do. That's my, um, I'm holding it out to my heart. But um, in regards to quality, I can't, right now, image to me is the best. But I know Marvel's the king of the hill. But let's not overlook um, some of these um, lesser-known titles, but still um, putting out great content um, for people who may want something that have maybe a, a little more diversified taste in their um, content. And um, I just kind of glossed over a couple of things. There's a lot more down yeah. And and Bison will let you know by the end of the week uh, your request of me. I've got it just about completed. I'm turning it in on Tuesday. So by the end of the week, that retrospective on Catalyst Prime will be made available, and I'll tag you the instant it's published. All one, right. One, Miracles do happen. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Daryl. One quick thing, and i got to mention this. Um, you know, I, I don't think Daryl was around unless he was listening. When I, just as an off- off-the-cuff thing, Daryl, I happened to, to pick up, I believe it was Justice League 35, and Priest is writing it. Yep, he and is. This, and I made this quick I made this quick reference. That's why I can't, you know, listen, I was, a, I was a Priest fan, but when he came back, he came back after years. So, you know, I, I guess, I, I, you know, if, if he's not doing something that I necessarily like in the case of, um, in, in the case of, of Deathstroke, thank you, of Deathstroke, you know, I, I, I like Deathstroke, but I'm more of Deathstroke from the 80s. You know, now he's kind of been neutered in some ways. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, uh, I'm hearing about this, this backdoor DC version of the Black Panther called the Red Lion. But that's even one. That's, I, I already ordered the, the, the trade paperback, and, and I like where they're going with this potentially. Even Prometheum as DC's version of Vibranium. Vibranium. Yep. You know, that's that's a whole – I'm going insider. I mean, that's a whole thing. But 
just just reading that Justice League um, right before I went on air, and the exchange that Cyborg has with this other uh, this alien that knows the Green Lanterns, and he talks about well, this alien can take the shape of anybody. And he, why did you why did you decide to take the shape of an African American or of a black person? And he said, Well, I looked at something that's beautiful. Uh, no big deal. Uh, you know, f you, f your culture. If your culture has a problem with racism, I don't know about that. I just went by what I looked at visually. That's like a meta conversation for a damn comic book. Oh yeah. So and I, and, I, I a, a, and a call out to his work with Icon. Yeah. So if if, if we can get the writers. To break the fourth wall and to do all this stuff for other things that are being translated for TV and for movies, we might really be onto something. But we got to get beyond. We got to get beyond the, the you know the te- the tastemakers and the these suits that want to put put a coke can <laughs> a coke can in somebody's hand before they want to write something that's profound. I don't know. Well- well, that's part of the reason, and again, uh, I'll try to keep this short. That's part of the reason since day one that I joined AfroNerd. That's part of the reason I said we need more of the comic book writers helping out the TV and film projects. Why? Because they get to the essence of the characters better. It, we, you don't get as much cookie cutter. And now with better... African-American writers, better Latino, Latina writers, women writers across the, the, uh, the form. Hell, everybody saw what Greg Pak did on Twitter for Asian-American creators. If you didn't see that and it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, seeing these creators being proud and listing their works and bap, that, that thing went viral like that. You know, we are out there. We can handle these characters. Hell, we can create some bomb-ass new characters, too. So, listen, folks out there, if, you're, if your thing is feeling cookie-crutter, just go what Bison said. There's a lot out there. Don't, don't give yourself a box. Don't let yourself be trapped. Go out and try new things. Guaranteed, there's a book out there for you. And you know, in closing, in, and in closing a little bit, we'll try to stretch it out a little bit. But th- th- this whole thing, really, especially going into 2018. Again, folks, we're going into 2018. Time is really flying. People are dying. You know, Combat Jack has left the building. Um, you know, there's this. There's a lot that we have to actually discuss and, and promote. And you know, when we talk about Black Panther, we talk about Luke Cage. Luke Cage was canceled. You know, they, our friend David Walker, who we'll have on the show in a few weeks. Um, David Walker is also responsible for uh, giving us Shaft, the Shaft comic book, and now we're hearing that, Shaft, that, that when they do make Shaft, Shaft might end up being a – the Shaft re- reboot is going to be a comedy. Now, yeah, we're, we're going to have see. to edit David when we ask him about that, by the way. Well, yeah, because listen, <laughs> no one's going to make – no one's going to make uh, James Bond a comedy, David Niven notwithstanding, <laughs> okay, but – they're not going to make James Bond into a comedy. And, you know, not, it, it just seems like they just, this is what happens when you don't control your product, where they're just going to just do what the hell they want to do. And it's like, why waste, the, why waste time on this thing? Why make, it's not, he was never a comical figure. This guy was, was black badassery. And we already see that David Walker has wrote the comic, wrote, he wrote the comic book. Why, why not, again, what you just said, they won't tap into the talent 
But I think we're starting to see some of these people being brought into the fold. So maybe things might change, but that's what's very uh, problematic is that when they decide to pull the trigger, they won't give you what you need. They're going to give you some effort. That's a problem. <laughs> and the instant we start getting some success, well, you see the white, uh, the white closeted nerds react this week, you know, and go absolutely positively like, hey, hey, the, the SJWs have too much. T- tone it down. What, well, what, what happened that, what, to my comic books? Well, what, what was that again? Repeat that again. I didn't catch that. Oh, you didn't catch this all week. Well, hey, all week after Marvel made their announcement of the titles they were canceling, okay, which Luke Cage was one of them. And fans got into a bit of an uproar because of the titles being canceled. You had pushback from the other side saying that, well, you know, this was diversity's fault, right? No one cares about these characters. So, so these guys are speaking up. Hell, a couple of guys went, well, they got rid of them. Well, they could get rid of, like, Captain Marvel 2, and they could get rid of Miss Marvel. I mean, who really is reading these books? And I'm like, okay, that's good. Piss off the women readers. That's great. But let's keep it going. Let's go. Let's go. Let's create enemies everywhere. Let's put a, more egg on the face of the comic book readers. They have um, YouTube channels dedicated to that deeper. Um, I know that. I know two of them very powerful. One has what, diversity. What, diversity name, diversity in comics. That guy. Oh, diversity yeah, in comics that work. crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I got something for them. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, what their problem is they go extra. Like, it's one thing to have a, a legitimate critique of, of a legacy characters where uh, uh, a person of color takes, you know, takes the, the place of a legacy character. And then, okay, I can understand that. Like, if, you're, if you've been reading Captain America for 10 years or whatever, and then you make Captain America a, a black person or some other protected class, that... that had, might bear merit, but now you're commenting on another property that just happens to be black or Asian or female. That has nothing to do with you. Like, why do you care about Luke Cage being uh, Luke Cage's existence? If that maybe it's not your cup of tea, but Luke Cage is a property unto itself. Why do you care? So this is where you start to see the actual racism that you just don't want people of color and women and all these these these, these folks to have their own thing. I think we need to have our own things. That's a separate issue, but that's separate from uh, a female Thor. It really is separate. Oh, believe me, you bring up the female Thor to these folks, these quote-unquote fans, and they go nuts. They go, oh, oh, it's heresy. Oh, oh. And I go like, yeah, yeah. And remember now Heimdall's black. Just to rub it into them. I, I go like, hey, I'm, I'm loving the tantrum. Keep on going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guess what? Nick Spencer wrote Captain America better for Sam Wilson than he did Steve Rogers. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, oh. I guaranteed I could make one of them, their heads explode scanner style. Folks, hey, Scanners Peter, was I, a 1980s movie. Check it out. Steve, I, I know you're not a Twitter guy, but... A lot I'm of the on Twitter. popular. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I know, I know you're on there, but a lot of the popular um, blurs on there, they really, the trolls. I mean, it's bad. I mean, what they have to deal with. I mean, we just seeing manifestations in this 
but the Jamies of the world and the Geek Soul Brothers and what they have to deal with, it's a daily slog with just racist trolls uh, who just don't want people of color of any stripe or gender or orientation in that space. They want a white male hetero world, 1963, anything that deviates from that is the enemy. Hell, hey, Bison, you saw what they tried to do this week, right? Quick aside, all right? I'm part of a group of different creators and stuff. We we formed a group called Do You Even Comic Book, where we, we just go geeky and stuff like that. One of these DNC clowns imitated us and started attacking creators. <laughs> Literally attacking creators. I had to talk to a writer that I liked. And I went like, yo, this guy isn't us. Look look at his profile. He only got 16 followers. No mention, no mention of us. And if you look at all of the stuff on their pages, their hate for people of color that like comic books and comic book characters that are not white goes so deep. It's like we killed their kids or something. I'm not even kidding. It, 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 and this is the stuff that that gives all of our fandom a black eye, because you're not rational. You're using hate. You're not being positive. You're not expo- um, um, exposing the medium or sharing the medium out. You're, no, no, no. You just want to keep your 1950s safe little white cornucopia. Sorry, the fan base is more diversified now. Look, and, and, and also blame some of these companies. Go ahead. No, I say I also blame some of these comic book stores who want to cry woe is me, but they don't create welcoming spaces themselves. But they sort of make this boys' club niche vibe that sort of makes everybody on the outside who's an outsider who don't who doesn't know where you know who doesn't know you know five you know who are the six. You know, you can name all the X-Men suits and all that type of thing. You know, so um, it, it, it's it's ingrained in the culture as a whole. It's not just an outsider thing. I think it's um, uh, it, it's like anything else. It's just um, people. It's I mean, like, like Steve said, they're leaving money on the table. You need, you should take everybody's money, but they want to be uh, selective in who's part of the culture. And I think that's a big mistake. Yeah, well, you know something else too, man. I got to keep on repeating this. We, we we really, I mean, going into 2018, I said this before, Bison, uh, there's enough product for folks of, for, by and for folks of color uh, that has to be promoted, has to be bought. And that's my only, really one of my major beasts with, inter, with our own, with internally, with our own people, that some of, some of what the, 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 the anti-SJW people, listen, some of what they say bears merit in the sense that the, the, the minority-themed products have to sell. They really do. And I agree with you that uh, this has been going on forever. And when, I, when I was a little kid, I got the message that anytime I saw a black, brown, or yellow-themed product, um, what would happen was well, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't order enough of them or you know you got you, you you go to the default even as a black person you go to the default we we had um complaints by the creators themselves talking about 
why do why do the folks of color bypass go straight to the white table? I mean, that's something that is so ingrained in us that we are so so supportive of Peter Parker. And I, listen, I love Peter Parker. I really do. To be honest with you, all the all these characters we we grew up we're not we're not the ones that think racially so much like that. But it can be to our detriment to be so much about the default. So. I don't know what these quote-unquote woke and, and, and lo- so lit people are when it comes down to buying. You know, not to Ariel Johnson from Amalgam Comic Book Store in Philly. You know, she, that's a space where you ha- we, we have to start to promote Lion, for, uh, Lion Forge and Milestone, even some of the products that are, that, are, that are under the mainstream umbrellas. But if we don't buy this stuff... And we just complain that well, we don't. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to go. The storm had a comic book, so I don't. I, I, I do go to these other imprints, our, our sorrow and our and our fraternal um, podcast and their websites. But to me, they're a little bit too invested in into the default product. They really are. We need to be talking about the storylines and highlighting. You know, when I mentioned Christopher Priest on Justice League, that has to be honed in. You know, when we talk about his, his work on work on Deathstroke and how we have potentially a DC version, even though it's under the, the DC um, umbrella, we got to talk about that. We, we're not, you know, we do a lot of talking. Are we buying? Are we promoting? I went to the Sisters Seafood Restaurant. I, I got to promote this young lady. You know what I mean? We can't, it can't always be about, you know, Spider-Man all the time. That's our, that's our main problem. I'm, I'm kind of at the point like Claire. F these people. I can't. We can't keep on being. We can't keep on contributing to their, to their pocketbooks, and that's that's really what's going on. 2018, whoever's doing their websites, they got to do their their top ten, black, brown, yellow comics, their top ten, their top ten characters, their top ten uh, creators, their artists, their producers, their directors. They got to promote these people, and we got to promote them with their, with their, with our mouths and our wallets, or it's not it's not going to mean anything. Yep. I mean, so Clay, it, don't you agree? Really, on the real? I mean, I. We're a little you know too invested on the default. We're a little you too invested on the default. You know how I feel. You know how I feel. I mean, I'm just. We're always going to get that pushback. You, all, you guys, just, you already nailed it. You already talked about this. I mean, not only is it a problem if Iron Man is now Riri Williams. It's a problem if, if Captain America is Sam Wilson. It's a problem if, you know, Thor is a woman. Everything is a problem, okay? Everything's a problem. But when we say, hey, well, we got our own characters like Kamala Khan. And we got our own people, like Miles Morales. And we got our own thing going on. And it's still, it's still a problem. It's still not okay. It's still us shoving our SJW agenda down their throats. When I can list, I can list in terms of 80 years of comic books or 100 years, a century of cinema, the history of cinema. I mean, give me a break. We're talking about, you know, wall-to-wall white. Endless. 
it, it's endless. And yet, when we come up with one or two examples of up-and-coming writers, producers, actors, projects, you know, comic books, it's a problem. Oh, my God. It's, it's too much. It's too much. It's too many. It's barely a drop in the bucket, but it's just too much. It's a threat. So yep. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, hey, Jordan Peele, if the rumors are true and you're doing a, a Warner Brothers slash DC project, hey, remember, Claire for Cheshire. Claire for Cheshire. We want Claire Lanay as our international deadly assassin. <laughs> I'm I all about t- that. We see you working out. We see you working out in that regard, Claire. So that would be quite interesting. We see you you kind of getting ready for that. So oh, absolutely. Um, oh, it's no you joke. Know. You're gonna see all of it, hon. I'm 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 doing my my firearms, my John Wick training with the you know handgun, shotgun, rifle. I'm doing the sword. I'm doing bow staff. No, I'm I'm you know Claire be deadly. Wait, Claire, wait. be deadly. Wait, Q, is Q still there? No, he left. Hey, Q, because oh, we could do Q as Bronze Tiger for Suicide Squad 2. You know, he knows how to handle firearms. I'm That's just true. saying, and Q, and Q is familiar with the martial arts. Him him, and Black Ronin, hey, we we could make Suicide 2 uh, uh, an Afro-nerd experience. I'm just saying. Let me mention this quick thing. We got a close shot. You know, this is kind of just an off-handed thing. I mean, I, I don't know how to take this. I've mentioned this this a million times. You know, Kendrick Lamar. I think his latest video, he has uh, a reference to Black Panther in it, as as if like kind of a clue that way. You know, I might be contributing a song to the soundtrack, and then I saw all of these people just say, "Oh, yay! This is the greatest thing since sliced bread." Um, and if you got to mention the Venom thing too, and then we'll close shop. Uh, well, is this good news, bad news? I mean, I, I've mentioned this a million times to the listenership. They're probably tired of me railing about it. I just want to see actual, like, Afro-punk, a- Afro-future music. That's all. I mean, even if Kendrick is a part of it, I don't, I don't want that to be, like, a, 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 such, a, such a pro-Western black rap soundtrack for an African fantasy. Am I wrong for that? But he is one of the few artists that will go into that realm and give that give those beats and give those vibes some shine. So, you know, if if he's the doorway that opens up like these closed minds to the, this type of music, then yeah, that's good. If it's him doing, you know, the the studio factory same old same old do it with N-word here, N-word there, N-word here, N-word there, without anywhere, with over a generic beat and stuff like that, then it's a no. But if it's like some of the beats he had in To Kill a Butterfly, where he was experimenting with fusion jazz, he, he, essentially, he essentially did the dark side of the, the De La Soul album. <laughs> we're experimenting with a lot of different forms of music. We're rapping over them. If he does that as the song for, uh, to be put on Black Panther, then I'm all for it. Well, listen, you know, my only thing is you say he has to go there. There's people that are already there. Janelle Monae, I, lives, in, Janelle Monae lives in that space. She doesn't have to go anywhere. Her whole shtick is kind of the, the, the android, if you remember one of her albums. I mean, she's, she's Android, all yes. about... She's all about 
Afro. I mean, you have artists that are clearly Afrofuture, like in minded, and that's even even though she's Western. I mean, I could, it fits with an Afrofuture situation. Um, Zap Mama is an African artist, African group. Pardon me. Fela uh, Kuti Kuti is is you know we see hell. Fela Kuti is is a is the James Brown of Africa, right? Um, we see that uh, Erica Badu is doing like a whole rendition of his works. Like there's a whole uh, anthology of his work that she's spearheading. It's like a, a whole a whole box set that has her involved in it. And she is and she herself is an Afrofuturist. So there's things that are going on that don't make any sense to me. Like Kendrick Lamar, we have to we have to hope and pray that he does the right thing. We have a whole genre devoted to that scene. That, well, that's what it, makes me like it, crazy. it just tells you it just tells you that the studio has more of a hearsay into it than the actual director as to the music that's going to be on the album release. Now, the music in the movie itself, Kugler's got fingerprints on. But the music that's going to be released, oh, these are the, the, the soundtrack released through RCA Records or Marvel Records or thing. Kugler has nothing to do with that. That's on the studio. And unfortunately, we're not in a lot of those boardrooms right now. I mean, P-Funk, the mothership connection, the mothership connection. Dare I say any more? I mean, when you think of, of what they, Thor had Led Zeppelin, but we get Vic Mensa. You see what I mean? Something about that is, is foul to me. I'd rather, I'd rather hear classic Stevie Wonder or Earth, Wind, Earth, Wind, and Fire was another Afrofuture group. Yeah, I mean, you know, oh. okay, we can't have, we can't have like the, this new hip thing. All the, you know, what I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, listen, there's a litany of like classics to put Marvel in a certain place, but we get like the latest instant coffee. Something about that doesn't. I mean, Fela is again. The iconography with that artist and being African is very. I would be shocked not to hear some Felakuti, some Felakuti not in this. It, you know, hell, we we got a, at least a glimpse of of uh, Gil Scott Heron. So uh, maybe you know, listen, maybe I'm being pre- premature. I, I don't know. Last thing, and then we can close shot. Um, Venom. We're, now we're we're kind of sort of hearing that there's, there's an MCU. I mean, if Sony doesn't get on the MCU bandwagon. I don't I would find it very hard for them to try to put out a Venom movie and not have a connection after this deal that went down. Like what you it, 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 it would be like a waste of time and money. They better figure that out. Yeah, they, but they you know to, they seem to you hint know the that, resentment they hint, there. They seem to hint at it. They hint at it, but you know the resentments there. That's the Kevin Feige thing all over again. You know, well, Claire, what, this, what did you hear? This, this, I, I, this a woman. I forgot who. Someone said something. Someone said something. Did you hear about this? Well, I mean, listen. I they were trying to hype it up. You know, they're trying to just put it into the forefront of people's focus. You know, they got to remind you, like, hey, we're doing it. 
Look at this. Look at Tom Hardy. Ooh, Tom Hardy, such a good actor. He's so brilliant. Oh, wow, isn't that amazing? He's so good. Just like when they were trying to hype up Suicide Squad and everything was Jared Leto. Everything was about his method acting and Joker and the whole rigmarole with that. I mean, listen, to me, I think you nailed it. You just nailed it. It seems like a waste of time, a waste of money to do an R-rated Venom movie that has no connection to the Spider-Man that we were just introduced to through the MCU. So you nailed it. You already said it. It seems like a waste of time and money. Like, why are you doing this? They're hoping that they're hoping against hope, hoping against hope that they can just ride off the reputation of Tom Hardy as an actor. But to me, I just don't think that's going to be enough. Certainly not, you know, to carry a film that you want to branch out into your own cinematic universe and your own franchise. And on top of that, rated R. There's so (laughs) many ways in which this is a limitation. There's so many ways in which they they got their legs cut out. I don't understand. I really don't understand what the end game here is. So well, I, think, I don't I know. I tell you this. I tell you this. Trying to shell game this without it being real is a bad bet. I got to say that right now. This deal really put everyone on notice, especially Sony. No one's going to care about Spider-Man. I mean, listen. As long as Spider-Man is, is attached to this train, it's all good. Well, if you're trying to do all this other ancillary stuff, thinking you're going to work magic, it's still it's, it's you could tell it's still very much a a almost Warner Brothers mentality that well this is all about making money these 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 nerds will eat up anything it does not work that way it does not work that way so anyway um we'll we'll leave it at that so we'll, we'll see I'm just curious that it seems very funny that they're trying to do a shell game making us think that this Venom movie has some kind of MCU attachment. Uh, it better. They're going to dangle that carrot in front of us for the next year. You know, they're going to they're gonna just vaguely, you know, make all these references, thinly veiled as to whether or not we might get some sort of connection to the MCU or to the Tom Holland version of Spider-Man. But in and of itself, in and of itself, the concept is flawed. How do you make a movie, a movie, okay, a movie about Venom without Peter Parker? Oh, they could do it. See, Holly Berry's Catwoman, they could do it. Yeah. I don't know about that example. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what they're doing. (laughs) And and, and when they tried that, that's in the the 59 cents bin, even as we speak. In the 59 cents bin, even as we speak. And that's too much. Although I will, I will say Halle Berry got a few good jokes uh, off about it in her drop the mic battle versus James Corden that happened this past week. She I did. Gotta check it out. Oh yes. Can, at least she can laugh about it. Oh at yes. Least. Oh yes, yes, yes. So I recommend that. And Halle's dress. Mm, holy crap! But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordon got uh, Gordon got his lunch handed to him. Let's put it this way, because um, Halle Berry's got bars. She's got All bars. Right. On that note, uh, to my co-discussants, have a merry 
Christmas, happy holiday. You know how, you know what that means for me personally. Be safe to our listening audience and to my co-discussants. Be safe. Keep don't drink too much eggnog and all that crap. If that's even what you're about, Daryl, let's try to figure something out for the uh, for the Super Bowl party in a couple of months. Uh, I'm gonna we'll try, but I will say this: Hello, high water, Black Comic Fest. Yes, I'm not missing Friday or Saturday. I may not be able to do both days, but I'll be there to terrorize once again. Yeah, we'll set that up. We'll try to get Mr. Uh, Jennings to come through and discuss it. Uh, that's January 12th and 13th, if I remember correctly. I, I'm going to set aside two days for that. Uh, folks, it's been real. Have a happy holiday season. We'll do it again next week, and then we'll go into next year. Uh, Nat King Cole, the Christmas song, would be apropos. See ya. Next week, it's been real. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow We'll find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa's on his way He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is not a spy Reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways Ooh.